Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Twilight Diaries here on the VRO. It's Thursday, May the 27th, 2010, and I'm your host, Gina, here with my co-host, Amber. Amber, you're just all giggly tonight. (laughs) I am. I'm really hyper right now. (laughs) Yes, we're very excited. We're very excited. And as always, with us are Amy and Jess working on the switchboard and in the chat room. Hey, ladies. Hello. I think they're probably... Okay, I figured they might be muted, so I didn't want to. <laughs> Not yet. Well, as you all know, May. Okay, as you all know, May is the Vampire Diaries Month here at the VRO, and tonight we are excited, excited, more than excited. I think I'm ecstatic to bring <laughs> Julie Plett, who is the executive producer and the writer for the Vampire Diaries. We are um, currently connecting with her now and getting her on the line with us, so she should be on any second. Um, I can tell you what, this is probably, I guess maybe this, to me, this would be the pinnacle of our Vampire Diaries Month. How about you, Amber? I agree. I agree. I mean, this is like a fan's dream. Like, this is a dream. This is a dream come true, doing this. Yes, it is. And like I said, guys, we are are connecting with her now. She'll be on momentarily. But, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm so excited. Guys, we got so much fan response from, for this interview that it just, it made us so happy. Amber and Amy and I worked until 5 a.m. this morning from the, the finish of the show last night until 5 a.m. this morning working on this interview. And it was so much fun, even though we were it so really tired. It really was. The, the fans of the show yeah. are brilliant. There were a lot of questions that got me thinking. Like, the fans of the show are absolutely brilliant, the way that they pay attention to what's going on. This, this is going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. It definitely is definitely going to be an interesting and very cool interview. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm just going to go ahead and say this while we're waiting um, on Julie to come on the line. Is I'm going to go ahead and do the caller reminder. Callers, we only are taking the callers that received a confirmation email from us with a call time. That call time is extremely important because we are staggering the calls three to four at a time throughout the interview because we had so many callers. And so we will be, you know, taking the first round of callers and then the second. So when, you, when it's your call time, please make sure that you call in at the correct call time so that we can get you on the line as fast as possible to talk to Julie. And I understand that we have her on the line. Hello, Julie. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, we're great. I'm Gina, and my co-host is Amber. Hi. Hi. I, I, think I think we're more excited about talking to you than we were talking to any of the cast. So. <laughs> I, 
I'm like giggling like a little kid in a candy store right now. Like I'm, I'm like shaking in my in my own skin. This is awesome. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Well, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. I've been I've been watching that you guys have talked to everybody, and I'm like, nice. They're just you guys have like the scoop of the century at the VRO. <laughs> you guys, Entertainment Weekly has nothing on y'all. <laughs> we try. We try. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what can I tell you? What, what are we doing? What's the plan? All right. Well, um, as everybody knows, the VRO is a fan-oriented show, so we let the fans send in the questions. Um, tonight we got a lot of questions. Um, some are serious. Some are funny. Uh, okay. Some of us really really made us think. Um, the Vampire Diary fans are amazing and brilliant in that way. So uh, we'll jump right in. And uh, awesome. we're going to... We're going to go to the obvious question that everybody's dying to know. Maybe, maybe everybody. We'll say maybe everybody. Uh, talking about couples on the show, we received a lot of questions about Damon and Elena, uh, the angle there. So is there anything you would like to say about the two of them for season two? Um, well, the only thing I can say about the two of them for season two is that there uh, very much is going to continue to be a um, very sort of profound and powerful triangle that exists between our three heroes, between Stefan and Damon and Elena. And it's uh it, it it I can't say much more than that, but you know, that is the the concept of the whole show and that is the premise and you know, that's the poster too. So I think, you know, the thing is, is Damon's still got a long way to go before he's a man enough to, you know, to to deserve Elena, but he's also got a really, really strong pull and strong draw and so it's something that everybody you know, roots for in their own ways, and you know, some people root against it, and that's the fun of that's the fun of the show is trying to satisfy yeah. everybody and nobody at the same time. That's our right. evil plan. <laughs> it works. <laughs> well, you say that um, you've been quoted saying that um, the show is cemented in a love triangle. So, does that doom any other possible relationships in the show? Um. No, no, actually it doesn't. You know, even our love triangle is a kind of a square um, when we come back in season two because you, now Naughty Catherine's in the picture. Um, so even that, that in its own way, Catherine's arrival is its own obstacle in any in any part of that triangle, um, and 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 an obstacle in Elena's life and in her own personal happiness too. So, um, and then you know the other relationships kind of exist in their own in their own in their own world and you know I think our big goal is to in season 2 find a way to integrate our other characters into our you know triangle world even a little bit better a little bit stronger so that it doesn't always feel like we're taking a breath and taking a moment to go pop in on you know Matt and Caroline that you know that there's other things that we can there's ways that we can integrate our characters better right Okay, I'm going to fangirl just a little bit because I have to say that I'm literally vibrating in my chair right now because I love this show so much for those <laughs> relationship things that go on. And just you, hearing you talk about it, I'm just like, well, that's the best part, you know. I mean, I, you know, who knows? Everybody loves their own show and loves what they do. So, I, you know, I'm a little bit biased. But to me, the fact that, the fact that we can be scary and have vampires and, you know, and, and, and – all the supernatural elements and 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 be a, a genre show wouldn't mean anything if we couldn't tell you know deep profound important human relationship stories and 
you know, especially especially when they're that age, your characters are that age, and just generally the whole notion of life and love and and friendship and loyalty and and honor and relationships. I mean, that to me is what keeps the show driving forward um, as much as, if not more, than in any like sort of you know scary vampire thing that we can do. Exactly, exactly. Well, a lot of fans wrote in um, quite a few questions about the books versus the show, so that shows that you've really made an impact on them, whether they read the books before and then decided to watch the show, or they watched the show and then decided to go back and watch the books, which is really cool. So the question that one of them asked was, what's the reason behind Elena and Catherine being physically identical when in the book series they weren't identical, just bore a striking resemblance to each other? Um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll do respect to, um, to the books, but I think that the only way it was ever answered in the books was Catherine said to Elena, hey, you kind of look like me. <laughs> and I think that's all they ever did to cover that, which I cry foul, yeah. truthfully. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, the, I mean, Elena looks like Catherine. They're doppelgangers. That's the big question. And that is not something I'm telling y'all on the phone right now. That is a big question that will continue to be asked uh, into deep oh. end of the second season. Okay, so my next question is probably going to be a no comment, which <clears throat> is, does this make Elena and Isabel related to Catherine somehow? Is that going to be revealed later to us? Um, well, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think we've said I think we've said pretty clearly. And you know, the thing everybody has to know is that. In, in in TV world, sometimes details change to fit the story, but we try to keep we try to take a position and stick to it. Um, you know, our position is very much yes that the bloodline it's a Pierce bloodline, and Isabel is a part of that bloodline as is Elena. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, in the book series, uh, the whole background story of Catherine Damon and Stefan is about her faking her death and the brothers killing each other out of guilt. What made you guys create this other background story for them? You know, it kind of grew out. I actually really liked that element of the books. And, you know, when we very first started talking about how to do that, it was actually Alloy, Bob Levy, who said, oh, guys, don't mess with that. That's a great that was a great story point in the books, and you, are you sure you want to mess with that? And um, and we didn't we didn't make the decision not to do it the way it was done in the books. It was more that it came out of it came out of the way that we decided to structure our flashbacks and yeah and the Stefan Damon relationship. I mean, one of the things you know it's it's always a matter of debate, but one of the things oh good lord, <laughs> one of the things that I that I like that we did was we made Stefan and Damon best friends before uh, Catherine entered the picture and before, you know, there exists a conflict in their relationship. And and I thought that being able to do that and have them have true deep love as brothers for each other that then got torn apart by by a woman and then by, you know, the vampirism um, we, when we started there, when we made that decision and lost girls that that was going to be their relationship, everything kind of organically evolved from that. And so it really was just us trying to find the best way to tell the story. Once we made the decision to change the the core dynamic of the brothers from you know that first book, um, we just kind of went from there. Well, I think the background story ended up mm-hmm. good, so it it worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it worked. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> also, uh, you know what? I will say, I will say this because I'm pretty sure. And if I get book t- details wrong, you have to forgive me. I've got so much in my head from the season of the show. But what, didn't they have a sword fight or something? I think they stabbed each other with swords. And um, and, and yeah. I, we were trying to think, <laughs> we were trying to think of, like Paul and Ian and their like floppy wigs and their period costumes like on guard, and it just sort of never yeah. quite materialized uh, in our heads as like probably maybe the the best way to do it. It's one of those maybe. things that works great in a book, but you know unless you're in Zorro on screen, might not be the best way to tell the story. Exactly. Maybe you guys exactly. should have filmed it and put it in the bloopers. That would have been that would have been good entertainment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, um, imagine part, Paul Wesley with a sword in his hand. <laughs> I am a fan of pirates, so I would love it. Oh, <laughs> well, good, um, good. <laughs> um, this one's kind of a funny question. I like this question a lot. Um, they say, we keep hearing about how Damon has no friends besides Elena, while it seems that Cher Forbes and Alaric Saltzman seem to like him. So my question is, does Stefan have any friends? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I tell you, Stefan. Stefan's gonna have some friends. I mean, poor Stefan had Lexi, and then you know, and then he he was quite invested in that relationship for about 140 years, and then he lost that. And you know, his whole poor Stefan's burden is having to isolate himself and remove himself because of all the guilt that he carries and how difficult it is for him to get close to people. So by making the choice to come into Elena's world and to get into a relationship with her, that was sort of the first step in him opening up as, you know, as to be as much of a human being as he could be. And so we did some baby steps this season with Matt. Um, we actually, I think at the beginning of the season, planned to get much farther along with Matt and Stefan, um, because that was one of the best relationships in the book. That's why I loved Matt from the book. I just loved that Stefan and Matt had this little, you know, this bromance going. Um, and right. it, so even though we didn't get as far in this season as we meant to, that's always going to be something that's in the back of our heads as we as we break story and as we move forward is that Stefan and Matt are going to kind of ultimately be true blue down the road. Um, it's just we don't want to force it because we don't want it to feel contrived. Right. That's that's good. Well, will Stefan and Elena read or write in their diaries ever again? (laughs) Kevin and I fight about the diaries all the time. We we have mad, crazy love for each other, but that is the one area where we just, I'll say, oh, we need a journal. He's like, oh, I don't like the journals. I don't like them. I'm like, come on, they're sweet. And he's like, no, they're stupid. People hate them. I'm like, people love them. And then every now and then he'll be like, you know what we need here is a journal entry. <laughs> I'm like, you said no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's that's if anything, if we debate anything that we never agree on, it's that. And so yeah, the answer is, I have no idea. Um, I think in the beginning of the series. It was very important to have Elena in her journal and Stefan in his because the two of them didn't have anybody to talk to about their deepest feelings. Stefan is alone uh, and carrying this huge secret and needed an outlet for that. Elena was kind of spiritually alone in that she lost her parents and didn't feel like anybody really understood what she was feeling or where she was coming from. And so they were able to express themselves on paper, and then we were able to understand where they were coming from because of those journals. But the minute they fell in love, they had each other, you know. He doesn't need to write something down if he doesn't keep secrets from her, if he doesn't, you know, if he loves her. And so, and she can express herself to him and open herself up to him. So the actual dramatic need for the journals diminished 
just by definition of putting those two in a relationship. Um, but then we try to keep the idea. I mean, the show is called The Vampire Diaries, after all. <laughs> so we try to keep the idea of the of journaling alive in our mythology, uh, which I love. I, and there's not we haven't seen the last of some journals from the past. I'll tell you that. Like I don't have a specific example of what's coming up anytime soon. But but you know that journals were the record keeper. You know, it's a way to keep records from 1864 and beforehand. I mean, who knows? Maybe Catherine had a journal back in the day. So we definitely haven't seen the last of them. That would be interesting <laughs> if she oh, did. Oh, yeah. That's, that's exciting. All right. Well, speaking of bromances on the show, uh, <laughs> one fan asked, will Damon and Alaric continue being the dynamic duo together in the next season? They're like... <laughs> They're like the greatest, like, Hardy Boy, Scooby-Doo uh, guy couple. And it's funny because, you know, Alaric has every reason to hate Damon, and Damon doesn't really like friends. But we love writing scenes for the two of them. And we, so we're just like, the fact that Alaric is even cool to Damon on any, on any level is such a stretch, but we get such a kick out of it that we actually really like them as a, as a, as a couple, so to speak. But the fans do, too. I so love when they team yeah. up. I love when they team up. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll be seeing a lot more of that, too. That is awesome because, yeah, a lot of people love them. And uh, we had Matt Davis on a couple of weeks ago, and – we just we we were just all over telling him how much we loved their little thing that they had going on the show, which was so funny, but you know so so funny but so touching sometimes you know the it is because they know, both they should hate each other yeah they should hate yeah. each other but yeah. they both went through the same thing the same I mean everything in our show comes back to love and loss everything you know and and those two men loved women with such a profound pure heart and were left abandoned and discarded by the women they love. So, I mean, just, you know, that that's going to draw two people together no matter how much they don't like each other. Right. All right. Well, speaking of Damon, um, a, fan call, um, a fan wrote in and asked, we know that Damon controls the fog and small animals, but it seemed like that didn't really get shown during the last half of the season. Will that possibly be coming back? <laughs> I, I, can, I can say that um, – the fog we might never see again. Um, that's another thing. You know, there are things that in, on the page and the books really work like gang- gangbusters. The boys controlling the weather, you know, the fog rolling in, all that stuff. And then when you sit down and you want to keep a show grounded and, uh, you know, and kind of an emotional and, a, and, a, and, a, and even in its own way a scientific reality, you, we found ourselves we found ourselves pulling back from the stuff that from the get-go seemed just so incredibly supernatural from the beginning. I mean, not that we don't go there. Believe me, we go there. We have a freaking vampire compass. But um, it just felt it felt like too much too soon and too omnipotent. Yeah. And you know, your 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 heroes and your villains need to need to have weaknesses and need to be flawed. And it just felt like, you know. Also, the idea of, like, you know, having to shoot that crow for another 10 episodes and wait the 37 minutes for it to call on cue. (laughs) There's not enough time in the day for that nonsense. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, and I'll be honest, um, for myself, I really 
you know, at the beginning of the season with Damon and the crow and the fog and all of that, he seemed much more, I don't know, much less vulnerable. By the end of the season, I was like, oh, Damon. <laughs> Damon <laughs> you know, is the greatest. You know, that yeah. omnipotent, yeah. yeah. Damon is the greatest villain, you know, I mean, because he's a hero. He's a hero in villain's yeah. clothing, you know, and and he hates that about himself. It's funny, I was yeah. talking to Ian at the rap party, and he said, he said, I hated doing that at the end. It, me, and, and he meant it as an actor. He said, that, he said, that is so hard for me to do, to go in and dig that deep into the character and dig that deep into myself and, and be vulnerable and be, you know, be open and express myself and, and not be that sort of smirking, strong guy with the quickie comeback and, you know, the ability to just, like, kill without thinking about it. He's like, that it was so hard to do and so hard to, like, walk into work and, and tap into that part of myself because he said it's not my comfort zone. And, you know, and it's funny because Ian is – Ian's the greatest guy in the world. Ian is a champion and a leader, and he's a hero, but he loves, he sort of loves his persona of, like, the cool guy who, you know, just, like, got a wink and a, and a charming smile, and so it really made him dig, you know, and it was hard for him, but it, it was good because he believed it. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. Well, we're going to take some callers now. We have... Uh, quite a few callers, and we're going to spread them out throughout the evening in sets of three or four so that uh, it's easier for us to keep a, keep a watch on them on the switchboard and make sure we get them all. Our okay. first caller is Kelsey. Kelsey, you're on the line with Julie. Hi, hey, Kelsey. Julie. <laughs> Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Well, I'm talking to you, so I'm, like, so great. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, I like. I need somebody I can call to get excited about. I have to think about who that is. <laughs> well, yeah, you you make me excited because you have been able to make me obsessed with the show because I've never been obsessed with the show. I've been like, oh yeah, I'll watch it, but like Vampire Diaries, I like have to see it every day or else I think I die. I'm not sure. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> That's that's how I feel about Friday Night Lights. Just for the record, that's my that's my one true love. Yeah. Okay. So my question for you is: um, when you were casting Elena Gilbert, um, did you firstly did you want like did you want it like from the books like how she was like a kind of like self-centered kind of bitchy blonde-haired girl? And then you saw Nina, and then you're like, oh, I like her. Maybe we could change it up a little bit. Or were you looking towards what Nina plays? We knew when we decided, when Kevin and I agreed to do the show, when we were reading the books, um, and again, no offense to the books, there are certain things that work so much better in novels than they do in television. And one of the first things that we said when we started reading the books was you can't, you can't dramatize this girl the way she is because you can't, you know, I mean, Buffy was able to be sort of like ditzy and self-obsessed and kind of in her own, you know, zippy fun way because the tone of a show like Buffy was just coming from a little bit more of a heightened place. And, you know, the movie of Buffy was so tonally, you know, kind of kitschy and hilarious and almost, you know, borderline campy. So they could then, you know, dial that character down four notches, but at least there was a context for it. Uh, for, you know, who Buffy was as a character. Whereas, you know, you're coming into a show like The Vampire Diaries and Elena is the heart and soul, the center 
the heroine of the show, and she's a girl that is torn between two brothers, you know, the soulful one and the devil one, and and it, it, it just didn't feel right to, we couldn't have characterized her journey from self-obsessed to confident, strong girl uh, in the way the books did, because it takes time to do that, and you just lose, you lose your audience connection to the character from the get-go. Um, Caroline was able, we were able to be that with her because she's not the lead. She's not the, 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 the moral center of the show. So she can say the wrong thing and be, you know, be shallow and be selfish. And, you know, we can expose her vulnerability slowly and then the audience can grow to love a character like Caroline. But if that character had been the lead of the show, I don't think the show would have the heart and soul that it does from the beginning. And, it's just the kind of character that you have to make those big decisions when you're adapting a book to a series, and that's the decision that we knew we had to make right away. I mean, even if, you know, years as a development executive would tell you, you can't, you know, you've got to be careful with a character that's that blatantly complicated, um, in the, especially in the teen genre, because the mean girl thing, it's a label that's so specific and, and, and so alienating. Um, so we knew what we wanted the character to be, but we still, of course, wanted to find the perfect blonde girl with, you know, eyes the color of lapis lazuli. You know, of course you want that. Um, there, are, believe it or not, there aren't that many girls that fit that physical description and can act and be vulnerable and beautiful and soulful and kind of, you know, tr- girl next door. There aren't that many of them in this town in Hollywood, and there aren't that many that are that are great. And you know, and when we saw Nina and she had those big, beautiful brown eyes and, you know, just, you know, emotion pours out of her eyes and she's so expressive. She was just the girl. And, and so we had to let go of the blonde thing. Right. Well, we thought you made a good choice. Thank, and thank you. you, Kelsey, for calling. Thank you for calling. All right. The next caller is Jason. Jason, you are on the air with Julie. Hey. Hi, Jason. I just wanted to say um, I thank both of you and Kevin so much for bringing us this amazing show. I just wanted to put that out there. Well, <laughs> and, thank you uh, very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, well, can you tell us if we'll get an inside look of what will go on in the Lockwood Mansion as well as the relationship between Tyler and his mom? But also, can you tell us if the friendship between Tyler and Jeremy will finally be established and if there are, like, any plans for the storyline between them eventually? Uh, yeah. So the, the the question to the first part um, is, you know, Michael Trevino, who plays Tyler, didn't have that much to do in the first season. And he was sort of kicking it down in Atlanta and hanging out and sort of every time I'd see him, he'd be like, hey, I'm just having fun in Atlanta. It's cool. <laughs> Do I get to work more? And and, it, and yet the, the cast, all of them were so afraid because Kevin and I are evil, and in the beginning, the beginning of the season, we sat down and said, "If any of you mess up, if any of you like party too much or screw up, it's it's you can die, you can die, and we'll kill you." And so none of they were all way too scared to sort of call with questions or, you know, or character questions. And so it took Trevino until like. Christmas, <laughs> shooting for seven months, and we were hanging out at Christmas, and he's like, um, you know, I just, you know, I haven't done a lot. <laughs> and I, he said, but I didn't want to call. I'm like, you can call. You could ask those questions. He's like, uh-uh, because <laughs> if you guys think I'm a pain in the ass, you'll kill me. Um, so uh, anyway, so what I said to him is I said, look, you know, you, you read the books, too. Like, Tyler Lockwood is 
crucial to this mythology and the werewolf storyline, the werewolf element is a big part of our story and we made the decision that we would really delicately kind of like layer it in over the course of his episodes in the first season just to get just to get the audience kind of aware uh you know of what his his destiny is and who he's going to be um and to kind of whet their appetite for it but season 2 is big time uh, about the lockwoods i mean you know mayor mayor lockwood's dead so the first thing that happens is mrs lockwood has to step in and and be the interim mayor, you know. So suddenly there's a, a new a new mayor in town, and she's going to be dealing with that. He's going to be dealing with that with the fact that his father died, and you know, and that he's still got all these you know feelings and aggressions that he doesn't know how to how to how to deal with. He's still going to you know have moments of of violence that he can't explain, and you know, rage that he can't control, and and. Meanwhile, you know, well, we 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 have yet to establish wh- whether Jeremy is uh, gonna live to see <laughs> to see the season finale. Oh. But let's say he does. Um, I think that you know the, the small moments between Jeremy and Tyler in the first season showed that there could be a really good connection between those two guys. And you know, Tyler didn't have anybody. He's got Matt, but Matt, you know, Matt's not going to be in on the secret anytime soon and he's not going to have anybody to talk right. to. And Jeremy kind of doesn't have anybody either. So, I think that there's a friendship that could be built there. Oh, that sounds good. All right, thanks Jason. All right, and our next caller is Simone. Simone, you're on the air with Julie. Hi. Hi Simone. Oh my god. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, I just want to say, uh, my friend and I, uh, we created this podcast called Salvatore Council, obviously based on yours and Kevin's and LJ's creation. I just wanted to say thank you so much for all you do. Oh, God, you're you're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) We love you. So, I mean, no matter how much I get teased about my obsession, it's so, so (laughs) worth (laughs) it. That's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah, um, my question is, um, if you were a vampire, who would you turn, like, whether like a character or someone you know in real life or you know whatever who if i was a vampire and i would turn okay let me think about that (laughs) i would turn kevin just to torture him for all eternity (laughs) so that he'd have to be stuck with me talking about love triangles for the next you know thousand years (laughs) that's awesome I can't wait to tell him that you said that. (laughs) (laughs) That's his worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thanks for calling in, Simone. Okay, we're going to go back to some more of the fan questions, and then in a couple more minutes we will go back to the callers again. We'll line up up our next three to four callers and bring them in. All right, Amber? All right. Um, We uh, discussed a little earlier, you said um, Seth and Elena coming together and telling each other everything, but – we know that Stefan withheld a lot from Elena and lied to her quite a bit, yet Elena forgives him every time. So will we ever see any actual consequences to Stefan's behavior? Yeah, that's a hard question to answer because I feel like I feel like Stefan, every time he's withheld or lied uh to Elena, it's been it's been to protect 
her. I mean, it truly has been coming from genuinely the right place, and that's part of his conflict as a character. It's like you know, you want to be the stand-up guy, you want to be you want to be honest, but sometimes honesty is actually you know, it's it's more compromising to the relationship. Um, but you know, we we in the room, in the writers' room, have you know early. I think it. I think after. Uh, bloodlines, you know, when he finally fessed up to her about the parents and the bridge and how he saved her, we sort of, you know, initiated the no-lie policy, like, you know, that Stefan would no longer keep secrets from Elena, just as a dramatic choice. And then, of course, during his, you know, his feeding days, then that was an addict behavior. So, you know, we 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 always say that's the disease talking, you know, and, and, and that Stefan ultimately, you know, being controlled by the disease, so to speak, um, but you know, so I, I I don't have I don't have an answer to that quite yet because I think that when he does lie to her again, it is going to be a big freaking deal because they do have sort of you know an understanding that that he won't withhold stuff from her. Right. Well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully, he doesn't have too many more lies up his sleeve. Well, um, <clears throat> will we learn more about Catherine's whereabouts over the past 145 years and any possible um, other era flashback scenes, like maybe the 67 years or 80s? Um, I, uh, yes and yes and yes. Uh, you know, for sure, it's so great because our flashback episodes work really well, and those those flashback episodes can be deadly, and they can be the thing that, like, makes the show jump the shark in about two seconds. But ours, I just love, and the writers love them, and it seems like the fans really love them. And, and I think that, you know, we'll try to continue to do, you know, three, you know, maybe four at the most flashbacks a year. This year we feel like there's still lots of stories to tell about what happened in Mystic Falls in 1864 after Stefan and Damon returned. Um, so probably this year's flashbacks will be will be specific to that. But then in the future, my God, we I mean we make <laughs> we have a joke and God it, it'll be season five probably before we ever see this because it's too ridiculous. But we have the you know like Stefan and Damon grooving at Studio 54 in the 70s, you know, in the yeah. 80s. <laughs> we have that joke. So it it it's absolutely in in the universe of our show and stuff that we're gonna have some fun with over the course well, of the we- series. We have a joke and, and and a hopeful wish of Stefan with a mullet in the eighties. We we were joking about. Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> oh God! Oh my God! Poor Paul Wesley, he'll die. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, some of the fans sent in some questions with these amazing like commentary with them, and sometimes Amber and I really couldn't even decide what to take out to make it shorter. So for a few of these questions, we'll give you a bit of um, commentary because we thought that the commentary that they sent in was so good. And this is one of those questions. Um, the, the fan wrote in, towards the end of the season, we saw some role reversal between Damon and Stefan. Eventually, Stefan returned back to normal, but in the season finale, Damon started to discover his good side a bit. And then the question is, will Damon return to normal as Stefan did, or is he in for a permanent change, and will Stefan play with that dark side again, or is that part of the story finished? Uh, The answer to that is Stefan's dark side will always haunt him, and Damon's good side will always haunt him. (laughs) 
<laughs> and right. Stefan wants to be good and wants to tap down the, the urges and the cravings and the darkness and the guilt, and he he wants to hide from that, and so he over he overcompensates by being as good and straight as he can be. Damon doesn't want to be, you know, good where his instincts take him because that's just not who he is. So he says in the finale, I'm not a hero. That's not my thing. That's my brother's thing. But obviously there's a hero deep down in there that exists that keeps trying to poke its way out. And, you know, that it, 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 Damon was a pure soul back in his days too as an innocent and as a human and that there's a part of him that's always going to have to fight against that. So that's what's fun about these two brothers is they're kind of – you know, hatched from the same egg, I guess, is a good way to say it, that they, you know, they've got it in them to be both. And we're always going to see those shifts and those changes. And, you know, and Damon's always going to be, you know, it not always, that's not a fair way to say it, but Damon's always going to be, you know, the villain, so to speak, and Stefan's always going to be the hero, but they're going to change those roles a lot. And, and for longer and longer periods of time, I'm sure, as the series goes on. Sounds epic. Right. <laughs> yes. I, we're over here in a little private chat screaming, yes. <laughs> as, as you answer the questions, we're going, yes. Um, okay, the next question. This one was one that intrigued a lot of us, and we were kind of going back and forth thinking, um, uh, you know, whether the answer was, you know, well, I, I won't say that until we, I read the question because it will con- be confusing. If vampires don't have a heartbeat, how could Damon not sense that Catherine was Catherine and not Elena at the kiss in the season finale? Or my question is, maybe he did know, and I'm kind of mm, wondering back and forth. About well, that. I will say two two different answers to that question. Um, the okay. the how could he not have known um, or did he question is actually a question that we'll be answering in season two. So I'm not going to answer Yay. that for you now. But um, okay. <laughs> but that being said, just you know, on a different subject, we you know what Damon said. I think in Bloodlines, he's like, you know, vampires are pretty much like we eat, we you know, we we sleep, we you know, like pickles, and you know, we've got you know, our body works fluids and all that. I mean, we we like to look at our vampires as basically, you know, uh, to the human eye and to, even to other vampires representative of, you know, a, a pretty similar physiological species oh, to humans. Okay. So that's why, I mean, that's okay. why um, Stefan can never, like when, when Noah was out lurking around and, you know, and the other, like, vampires are lurking around, that's why they can't really sense them. Um, because they're basically, okay. you know, they got blood pumping and all that stuff. Okay, so well, makes, in the Vampire Diaries mythology, yeah, in the Vampire Diaries mythology, the vampires are more humanistic than, okay, they're not like a dead body walking as in some other vampire mythology. Right, are. like, like you know, it's funny, okay. somebody somebody emailed me once on Twitter or whatever, and like, why can you see their breath in, when the, in the cold? And then, you know, when they're outside in the cold, and I was like, because it's cold, <laughs> because it's freaking freezing, and the actors are out there in, like, 20-degree weather, and they're freezing their asses off, and, yeah, you see their breath, so get over it. No, but the the real, uh, you know, what we've embraced, and, you know, it's for it's for a lot of reasons. It's for our simplicity. It's for, it's to not get too over the top. It's it's, it's to, to break out of the traditional vampire folklore and have our own set of rules. And it's for things like it's 20 degrees in December and your actors are outside in the middle of the night 
and you're going to see their breath coming out of their mouths. So, yes, our vampires exactly. have those things. Okay. Cool. Good to know. Well, in the book series, uh, Tyler is written as a dumb shock, but in the TV series, we've seen him being a talented artist. It seems that TV Tyler is a bit more sensitive and intelligent. Will we be exploring Tyler's artwork and insightfulness more in the next season? Yeah, for sure. You know, I... Kevin and I feel the same way um, about television characters is we never respond to characters that just have one one note. The jerk who's just a jerk, the good guy who's just a good guy, you know, the bitch who's just a bitch. It just it, it's no fun, you know. I mean, if you go back, the best thing about soap operas is soap operas always used to take a villain and then, you know, and then humanize them over the years and, you know, give them, make them into heroes. And it, it's just there's always two sides to every personality. And, you know, Tyler is a bully and he's a jerk because his dad's a bully and a jerk, you know. And 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 Tyler has all these hormones inside of him that he can't understand and can't deal with. So he's going to act out and he's going to get rough with Vicky and he's going to punch Jeremy and he's going to do all those things. But we thought that we thought that the sketching thing actually one it was a nice kind of like Easter egg, you know, for the future for fans just saying he's there he is drawing like comic book and supernatural monster characters and so, you know, that that's just a little like haha pay attention kind of choice and then we also thought that it would be a nice easy way to just give him and Jeremy a, a surprising connection in that episode um you know as Jeremy's sort of like coming into his own and saying hey maybe maybe you're not such a bad guy after all and then of course Tyler retaliates by overreacting and punching him but um no Tyler all kinds of things about Tyler's character are going to be explored in the season 2 I think that makes for brilliant writing, too. Yes, yes, very much. All right, well, we're going to take a few more callers now. We've got three more lined up, and the first one is Cody. Cody, you're on the air with Julie. Hey, Cody. How are you? Good, how you doing? I'm doing great. All right, my question is, since there is a large fan base for Anna and they are upset with her death, is it a possibility, and are you willing to bring Anna back on the Vampire Diaries? This is going to be the hardest. The hardest answer that I give on this entire phone call, and, and it's possible that every single person is going to hang up on me. Um, but <laughs> as far as, and, and you know, of course, I, I said TV things always change, so you never know. But as far as as far as we're concerned, Anna is is no longer in our world. She now there's flashbacks, there's all kinds of opportunities in the future, but Anna in life is really dead, and and. You know, you guys are not alone in warning that. Our crew, when they read the script, made Save Anna t-shirts <laughs> and wore them uh, on set because they love Melise so much, and she did an amazing job, and, you know, she was fantastic. And she actually was supposed to be gone after episode 13, after the tomb opened. She and Pearl were supposed to be gone and never come back. And then we loved the kind of chemistry that was brewing between she and and Jeremy's character, and we we loved the mother-daughter thing and felt like it tied thematically so well into what, you know, Jeremy and Elena were going through that we, mm-hmm. you know, that we brought them back and gave them the rest of the season. And, you know, the beautiful thing about Anna, as tragic as it is that that she's gone, is that she existed to give Jeremy his journey, to get Jeremy to a place where he both could open up his heart to somebody again and then 
and then learn the truth that had been hidden from him and regain control over what had been taken from him and then experience that loss again. So now, in addition to knowing everything that happened to him, he's lost somebody else he cared about. And and to get him to that place where he really, truly believes that being, you know, taking a bunch of pills and, and going to sleep so he can wake up as a vampire so that he doesn't have to feel pain anymore, that's what, you know... That's what was so powerful to us and to service Jeremy's character, right? If we just have him in a happy relationship with Anna, he doesn't have a story. And so it's it's about Jeremy's growth and, and Jeremy's journey as a character. But I know, I'm like, I'm, I'm just imagining the Twitters, that are, the tweets that are coming my way for the next 48 hours. <laughs> no, it'll be fine. Because you know what? People, people will understand when they see what happens in season two they'll be like yeah that you know it worked and so you know it'll be okay (laughs) and and you know i mean kevin always says kevin always says that he'd love to see like whether it's a webisode or a flashback episode or something what happened in 1983 between anna and Catherine in chicago you know so as long as we're asking those questions um then you know you never say never but as far as her being alive, then no, she's no longer with us. Right. All right. Well, thanks, Cody. All right. Our next caller is Candace. Candace, you're on the air with Julie. Hi, Julie. Candace, what's up? Um, I just want to say really quick, I'm actually a, uh, a film student, and I, ha- I actually walked out of my screenwriting class to call in. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where are you? Where is your? Where are you in school? Um, right now, I'm just at a community college, but I want to transfer um, to Cal State Fullerton. Oh, sweet. Good luck. Yeah, thank you. Um, my question is kind of like a question I actually asked uh, Marcos when he was on uh, last week. Um, considering all of the you know, vampire crazy, the vampire craze going on right now, I was wondering when you guys are trying to create and come up with new storylines, especially when you're writing a new season. Um, I was wondering how much you consider what was in the books, since you know, they're really popular as well, and how you, if you do consider stuff that's in the books, how you twist and uh, turn it to be structured for a TV series. And also, it's kind of a loaded question, I guess. <laughs> also, yeah. how you individualize, you know, the, the show because of all the vampire stuff that's out right now. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard, actually. You know, um, it, it sort of answered the second part of the question. The hardest thing is, you know, I've seen, I've read all the Twilight books and seen the two movies, and Kevin has watched every single episode of True Blood and loves that show, but he's never read Twilight or seen Twilight, and I've never read, I've never seen True Blood. So more often than not, or I've only seen a couple episodes of True Blood, but more often than not, I'll be in the, in the writer's room, and I'll pitch out a story, and I'll be like, man, we could do this, and it'll be so great, and woo, and, and he'll be like, nope, can't do it, True Blood just did it, and I'm always like, shit, I'm like, it's, it doesn't count if I haven't seen it, because it means I'm not ripping it off, it means, you know, it just means it's the right way to place to take the story, and then, you know, there was even a couple moments that we did in the season where, you know, I having read Twilight and seen Twilight and, you know, didn't even realize the similarity in a moment between our, you know, what a choice we made or and a choice Twilight had made. And there was a scene that Mar- 
in the in Lost Girls when they're outside talking at the um at the Mystic Grail, Stefan and Elena talking about like what works on them and what doesn't. And I wrote that scene. Uh, you know, ma- you know, v- mirrors are myths and blah blah blah. And Marcos called and he's like, um, I directed this scene already. And I said, What do you mean? And he said, In True Blood, Suki and Bill in the bathtub had the same conversation. And I said, Well, I've never seen it, so it doesn't count. Um, it's just some some things in the vampire lore folklore are just you just we always say, Well, what would a real person ask in this situation? And how would they ask it in a way that's engaging and kind of funny or interesting or emotional or whatever? And uh and so you know, you make your choice for a story or a conversation based on trying to keep it grounded and real. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm not changing it because if this girl doesn't sit across from this guy and ask him about everything that she thinks she knows about vampires and gets the real answer from him, then it's not real. And uh, and so it's just sort of funny. Um, and the answer to your question about the books, the books were tough because we there were there are a couple things that sort of led us stray from the books right away. And the first obviously was the, just the difference in Elena's character. And the second was knowing how similar that first book is to Twilight and having to make a lot of decisions that worked well in the book, but then we thought we're so identical to Twilight that, you know, even more so than the, than our pilot ended up being, um, that we just couldn't do, you know, you know, little scenes, little moments, little dynamics, and we just couldn't do it because it was way too similar. Um, and then once you once you take the genie out of the bottle as far as making changes, you're literally just looking for the next good story turn. And you know, when when you have seven commercial breaks or whatever through an episode, and everything needs to lead to a great you know twist or turn or reveal or cliffhanger or something. It just, you know, the, the train has left the station and you just follow it and you try to tell the best stories that you can. So what we try to do is find things that we like from the books that we really connected to, ways to weave ourselves back there. And whether it's a full-blown story point or just like a little mention, like mentioning Honoria Fell in, you know, in one of the flashbacks and, you know, the, the whole idea of the Fell family still existing as part of the founding families and even the Founders Day Parade, even though, even though things didn't go down in our show the way that they went down in the books at the Founders Day Parade, we just loved the idea that our whole first season was leading up to Founders Day. And um, so we try to, you know, we try to pick and choose things that we can, um, knowing that what, you know, what L.J. Smith's world gave us so magnificently was these characters and and truthfully, the, the our mythology. I mean, we, we changed a lot of the details and we added the tomb and the vampires and all that. But the mythology of Mystic Falls and Catherine and and you know one day Klaus and all that stuff. Like that's all that's all stuff that we're mining as well as we can. Awesome. That's cool. All right. Well, thanks, Candace, for calling in. All right. And the next caller is Jeff. Jess, you're on the air with Julie. Hi, Julie. Hi. <laughs> All right, I run VampireStalkers.com. How do you okay. have so many fan sites dedicated to work that you have done? Um, it's kind of cool. I don't even know if I've seen enough of them. I got I got to do a little Google search or Bing search, I guess, <laughs> and, and check <laughs> check it all out. 
yeah, it's nice. To, it's nice to have. Um, you know, it's nice. The internet gives you such direct and immediate access to fans of the show, and you know, haters of the show too. But I usually tend to find the fans. And, and well, we're a definitely a fan site. We live in Covington, so ours is all based on meeting the cast and coming to set. And so you'll have to check it out. But and my next question is. I read for the pilot episode the entire cast gathered at your house. How much prouder could you have been at that moment? <laughs> it, oh, gosh. That's right. I forgot that. Um, that was pretty cool, actually. That was pretty cool. It was, you know, we had just... The, getting the script written and then shooting it and getting it cast and getting it produced and then in the editing room was like this like three month, four month process of non stop work where Kevin and I at first, you know, writing it like sitting, you know, writing till six in the morning to meet deadlines and seven in the morning and eight in the morning <laughs> and being just, you know, crazy and then Marco's coming on board and everybody coming on board and you know, shooting it so quickly and then editing it so quickly and then all of a sudden it was done. And, of course, we weren't supposed to show it to anybody, and so it never happens. But um, but to show these guys what they had done, truthfully, the first time Marcos and Kevin and I saw the show, you know, when Josh Butler finished editing the first cut, I literally, we we cried. We were just like, it looks so good. We We made a movie, not some silly, cheesy, badly shot, badly lit TV show. We made a movie, and it's so beautiful. And I knew that none of the actors had any idea how good it looked when they were shooting it. You know, They just were like, okay, I hope I'm doing a good job. And they had no idea that, that Ramsey, who was a, um, the DP, and Marcos had really gone out of their way to make it incredibly cinematic. And so they all like sat there with their jaws on the floor and said, you know, oh my god it looks so good and that was the fun part is feeling like they were having a great response and you know because actors hate watching themselves on tv and then they certainly they sit there and they're they're self-critical and writers are the same way we sit and criticize ourselves so it's not so much the process of watching yourself or what you've done but just that they were also proud of how good the show looked awesome well thank you jess for calling me in do we keep losing people? Do they hang up on me? No, no, no. What no, I do is here. because because it's, because it's hard to keep. It's it's really hard on the switchboard because we, it's all run right in front of me on the computer. It's hard on the on the switchboard to um to keep them on the line and and you know keep them going. So what I do is I actually mute them again after they're done with their question uh. so that I can move down to the next caller and get ready for the next caller. So they're not okay. ignoring you, I promise. It's me. Okay. It's me. I was like, well, I know I talk a lot, but. Well, and it's me too because <laughs> I probably good. should be, I probably should be saying something, but my mouth is on the floor with all her answers, so I'm trying <laughs> to uh, compose myself. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, well, the fans want to know if you can give us any hints about Bonnie, uh, what she'll be up to in season two, and can she come back from the things she's done, or will she be taking a darker route? Well, look, Bonnie, it, you know, I'll tell you, the funniest thing to me and to Kevin um, was the the absolute outrage directed at Bonnie after she revealed that she hadn't taken the spell off of the 
off of the Gilbert device because they were, I mean, it was, it, it was, they were furious, but not fear. It, it, what was funny to me is fans had every right to be furious at the character for making that choice, but they were, they're, like, their fury transcended just like, oh, I can't believe she did that, and, and, and went to, like, a really, like, angry place, and we were just like, holy shit. But, I mean, it's, it's kind of proof of how much everybody cares and how invested everybody is in the story but you know really in the moment it felt entirely motivated by character and truthfully the same way that some of the choices that Stefan's made you know felt motivated her grams who she was close to who was her mentor who was helping her discover her gifts who had very strong opinions about vampires and very strong opinions about the danger that vampires presented died and then bonnie had to watch elena go through all this with stefan and and stefan exposed himself as having dangerous side to him and of course damon is just a dick to her all year and so i i believed in the moment that she would make that choice not necessarily thinking through the repercussions of what what she done, and in a teenage girl's way, standing up and saying, "I'm taking a stand, damn it," and then after the fact, realizing, "Oh my God, what did I do?" and look at what's come of this. And I think that there's going to be some guilt on Bonnie's end in season two for you know the domino effect of of the choice she made. But when all is said and done, if she hadn't done it, and those you know, if she if she'd actually taken that spell off, then all those tomb vampires would have killed. A bunch of innocent people and you know so if you're choosing between the entire like town square of people getting you know in the founding families getting mowed down by vampires and the vampires going down sorry but you're going to choose the vampires i mean we might love stefan and damon but you know universally people don't you know have any reason to or need to love vampires and so i think that you know i thought that wasn't actually an interesting character choice for her to do that and and it is recoverable, but it isn't, you know, she's not messing around. I mean, she's not going to let people get hurt. Right. I actually argue with my friends about this because I think I'm one of the only people who didn't blame, <clears throat> that didn't blame Bonnie at all for doing that. Like, yeah, I was good. Like, go Bonnie. I was like, go Bonnie, because I knew, like, that episode with Grams was so emotional, and I knew, like, I could feel the anger with her, so I was one of the people that was on her side that. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I think about it, like, you know, the hardest thing to do as writers with the Elena character is is not draw attention to the fact that everything that's happened is kind of when all of a sudden done her fault. <laughs> you know, like, just her existence has caused all this. And so, you know, if, 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 we, if we don't blame Elena for the things that have happened as a result of just her being who she is and loving Stefan and, and feeling compassion for Damon and keeping secrets and, you know, all that. And you can't blame Bonnie for, for making a choice like that, that she thought she was truly doing the right thing. And then realizing that, that it was a misguided choice. Right. Well, we, we saw that Bonnie disappeared for a couple of episodes after um, Graham died. And then, when she came back, she was, like, fearless. So is that something that we're going to revisit, like how she became to be so powerful all of a sudden? Um, maybe a little bit. Like, it's not like we're going to flash back and show, you know, her at which school for those four episodes. But um, but I definitely, you know, I think that between the grimoire and her grams of faith and then, you know, it it's possible that she's not the only witch, you know, that we're going to get to know in the next season. I'll tease that. Um, again, no guarantees because we're just getting started. But there might, you know, 
she might not be the only witch in town. Heck yeah, I love the witches. <laughs> me too. I love them. <clears throat> All right, I think we're taking oh, yeah, a couple more too. callers, Gina, are we? Yep, yep, we sure are. Um, first, we are going to take Natalie. Hello. Uh, oh, if I can pick her up. Natalie, are you on? Hi. Hi, Hi how are you? Julie. Hi, Julie. Hi, Natalie. How's it going? Hi, how are you? Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath. Um, I just wanted to say I love you and your rating. Um, I am actually a rater myself at San Francisco State, and uh, I so admire both you and Kevin getting to the point and not dragging everything out because that's <laughs> my biggest pet peeve with, I mean, people love build up. I frankly hate it. Um, so my question is for you guys, I find that sometimes I have to be inspired or in the root, the mood to write my stuff, um, and my best stuff sometimes comes out on accident or an, a, an hour before it's due. Um, yep. my question is, uh, do you and Kevin, can you guys just churn stuff out or do you have to be in the mood to write it? And there's, it's like kind of a two-parter. Do the actors ever have room to improvise anything or is everything that is on the page strictly on TV? I can say like probably 99.9% of what's on the page is what ends up on TV. I think if, I think if, if our actors started improvising that Kevin and I would implode <laughs> and fly down there and start, you know, start writing people into, into early graves. Um, no, it, you know, it's, 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 their schedule down there is so tight that you know they have so such little time to learn the lines. I think that they're they have to work so hard to get comfortable with the words on the page as quickly as possible and internalize them and make their choices as actors that they've they haven't felt the need to improvise or to to adjust and hopefully that'll continue um it, because it's just it you know it's it's not something that's easy for a director a set director to control you know um and 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 what if we don't get the the words the way that they were meant to be gotten and so i think that as long as you know hopefully that'll continue and then if they have problems with the script or questions about the script they'll call and ask for a line change as opposed to just you know going off on a tear and a riff um it's about the writing i'm like you it's the worst it literally like I will know that I've got to write something and I'll do anything and everything I can to procrastinate. That's why Twitter is so great. <laughs> you just sit on Twitter and you're like, oh, two new tweets, great. Um, and then, but, you know, and then then the pressure and the stress builds up and then you're sitting in front of your computer and you're running out of time and you just know you have to do it. And it is painful. It is like I, I'll be, I'll be home in my home office, and I, you know, I have my best friend lives upstairs, and my other best friend lives uh, down the hall, and they'll come in, and I'll be like, I can't do it, I'm crying, and they're like, you always say that. I'm like, this time it's bad, I can't do it, I'm, it's for real this time, and they say, well, Julie, you always say that, and I said, but this is going to be bad, and they say, you always say that too, and then the next day I finished, you know, and I, and we get good feedback, and I come home, and they say, how'd it go? And I was like, they loved it, and they're like, uh huh. <laughs> So maybe you could skip the nervous breakdown next time, you know, and nine episodes deep. They're they're sick of it. So, um, but we, you know, when you're doing 22 episodes a year, you just have to. You're always either writing or or editing, or you're in the room. There's no there's no life outside of that. It's it. You just you're always on a deadline. So, so it's tough when you uh when you have to get in the zone. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Natalie, for calling in. All right, our next caller is Julie, and she is calling all the way from Australia to talk to you. Julie, you're on the line with Julie. Hey. Hey, Hello. How's it going? Hey, Australia. <laughs> Greetings, Australia. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Wait, what time is it? Uh, about midday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of questions. Um, does Isabel come back, and if so, does she join forces with Catherine, or do they become enemies? Wait, who, I'm sorry, who, does who come back? Isabel. Oh, Isabel. Um, I, I, I actually cannot or will not answer that right now, because we don't Ooh. know the answer to that. <laughs> oh, okay. Next quick, quick I've got four. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, John, is he, please tell me he's dead. Uncle John? Yeah. I will not and cannot answer that either. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, well this is off Vampire Diaries. Oh. If you if you didn't become a producer writer, what career path would you have liked to have taken? I always said that if I didn't become a producer writer, I'd be screwed because I wouldn't know what else to do. Um I have a secret, the secret fantasy, which is still writing, which is in a different medium, is I'd love to write young adult, a young adult novel um, or like a good chick lit book. I just have never actually sat down to try to do it. Um, but um, I think what I would do is I would like have like been a waitress and then a bartender and then tried to own my own restaurant and run a bar. I think that's what I would have done, which would have been awesome. But um, But I went this path instead. Awesome. Well, that's cool. All right. Well, thanks, Julie, for calling in. Um, I had to mute you so I could move to another caller. The next caller is Chloe. Chloe, you're on the line with Julie. Is this the famous Hi, Chloe? Is this Oh My Salvatore? <laughs> yep. I love it. Hi. You're famous. Oh, don't even say that. <laughs> well, first off, yeah, thank you for tweeting my review because that honestly made my life, not my day, my life. That made that literally. Kevin, Kevin saw it, and we saw it, and we were both like, "Oh my God, this is brilliant!" I mean, it made our lives. And then I emailed it to all the cast, and I was like, "You guys have to see this! Oh my God!" And uh, it was great. Thank you for that. Okay. Well, I also wanted to congratulate you on a very successful season one, and wish you a happy belated birthday because I know your birthday was yesterday. Oh, thank you. But my question is, while writing the show, do you kind of plot out the episodes that are coming up in the future, or do you like to stay in the moment and see how the characters progress? Well, you're supposed to have it all worked out before you sit down to do anything. That's that's the rule um, of good TV writing. And, of course, you you know, you know run out of time to do that, and suddenly your script's due, and you're like, but shoot, I don't know what happens in 13 episodes. And, and then, you're, you know, then by the time you get to episode 15, you're like, how damn, I don't know what happens in the next six. But, um, no, we do try. We do try. Like Kevin and I have just spent the last few days with our, with our, our new writers and the returning writers just talking broad strokes about characters and, and, and mythology and, you know, big reveals and relationship moves and all that. And you try to talk that out for the whole season. And then we'll talk about things that we'll say, no, no, we can't do that in this season. We've got to wait to season three. Or Kevin, Kevin's favorite thing when, when somebody has a really cheesy idea his favorite thing to say is, well, you know, that's a great idea, but why would we want to rob season five of such a good story? <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we, 
we have always have the episodes where we kind of have to stall a little bit because we know where we want the big things to fall and and then you get to the episode that precedes the big thing and you realize you have no story to tell and so that's a lot of a lot of choices have been born in our series about realizing that we had no story to tell in in a moment and then Kevin will sit there and he'll be like what if Elena has an uncle <laughs> you know and then boom a character is born and you know and that kind of thing so we do a lot of improvising, a lot of, uh, you know, making shit up in the moment, but also we try to, we knew all along from the minute we sat down to start the season how it was going to end. We just didn't necessarily know everything but how we were going to get there. Awesome. Okay, sorry about that, Julie. Um, thank you, Chloe. <laughs> thank you, Famous Chloe. Chloe. Love you. <laughs> Yes, I have I have ten things in front of me at once, and I'm I'm having to look at like fifteen different conversations going on. All right, the next caller we're bringing in is Karen. Karen, you're on the air with Julie. Hi, Julie. Hey, is this Texas Karen? Yes, it is. How are How you? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. When I heard you was going to be here, I just had to call in and say hi. Karen hey. is a big Kyle XY fan. Oh yeah. Well, when I knew you were going to be, when I heard you were going to be writing Vampire Diaries after the wonderful job you did on Colex so I knew Vampire Diaries was going to be good. And I usually don't watch stuff like that, but I, with Chris Malaire, I hope I didn't butcher his name. And no, that's his name. Doing yeah. the music, thought it, that was going to be wonderful. And I have been hooked since the very first pilot. It's just wonderful writing. You've got great, great actors and actresses working on it. So, really enjoying it. Thank you. Yeah, and hey, um, you know, I got I felt so lucky to get to meet you at Comic Con last year, and that's coming <laughs> up. So now that you have fourteen thousand followers on Twitter, um, I imagine that that panel is going to be really packed this year. Um, I think they they're definitely they said they're getting a big like four times the size. Uh, they're going to need it. Room, yeah. <laughs> so is there going to be any chance for any of your fans to meet you there, or do you know if they've got anything planned? Yeah, no, I you know, I don't know. They kind of the, the Comic-Con stuff kind of tends to get planned like literally like the week of. Um I think I mean we're for sure going and it's as far as I know, it's for sure Paul, Ian and Nina, of course, and Kevin and me. And then I think we're going to be able to have a couple of other actors come with us this time, which is great. I just don't know who officially yet. Um but uh you know, it it I don't know how they how they schedule events or anything like that and you know last year nobody knew who anybody was and so you know the most of the people in that room were actually there for the next forum (laughs) 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 didn't really give a shit about us but um you know it's it gets a little crazy in comic-con and sometimes the security guards kind of you know start sweeping people away before it's time so hopefully there'll be an opportunity for us to connect Exactly. Oh, yeah. And this year, they're all going to be there for you. (laughs) That's going to be kind of crazy. You know what? Like, you know, for for Nina especially, because she hasn't had this experience before, is like just watching her over the year, like go from, you know, someone who is just, you know, a known actress a little bit, but not really to the the hard, the hot topic events. And then what's going to happen at Comic-Con? It's going to be crazy to watch. But it's kind of exciting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Karen, for calling in. All right. Thanks, next Karen. caller is V. If I can pick the my switchboard being sunny on me. V, you're on the air with Julie. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's hey, up? 
I love that you're like on your handle. It's great. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> it's going good. So um, I'll get right to my question. You actually touched on this a little bit earlier, talking about the Anna stuff. I'm always curious after an episode airs um, and you see the fan reaction that's coming in after the episode airs, um, how much – I always wonder if those points that get brought up by fans or the things that go back and forth between fans about what's happened, especially, like, the big events like Vicky and stuff like that, how much of that actually plays itself out in the writer's room before you even actually write the episode? And I was curious what kind of back and forth you've had in the writer's room, you know, what, um, what events have really brought out both sides of the issue before you actually commit to going down a certain path. Gosh, yeah, we, we definitely do. Kevin and I duke it out a lot. You know, it's, it's a lot of times by the time we like get to the, the, the bring the writers into an argument, he and I have at least you know fought the first half of the battle because you know he and I, when all is said and done, probably disagree in the beginning more than we ever agree. And it's after we're done battling it out with each other, we kind of have found a place that we actually think is the best way to do it. Um, the the flashbacks, whether or not to do flashbacks, was a huge debate to the point where we actually, in the room with all the writers, did a secret poll, <laughs> a secret straw poll, where everybody wrote yes or no about whether we should do it, and uh, and it was a unanimous yes, which was great. You know, you'd never guess that from the debate. Um, one, we had big debates over whether, um, it you know, Stefan was the one responsible for Damon feeding the first time. That was a big, like, that was probably our most emotional debate just because it was really, really, you know, in, internally controversial. And I wasn't sure, and some of us weren't sure if we could recover Stefan from that. And and then we decided that we actually needed, we needed Stefan to have those ranges and those, those flaws and that history to make his character as deep and enriched as possible because if he's just good all the time, uh, it, it's going to get very boring very fast. And, you know, we, we Kevin and I had had to make the decision about Vicky from the very beginning, so that wasn't, you know, that wasn't... Uh, as dramatic in the writer's room, but it definitely, there were times in any character, there were times, especially when we got to know Kayla so well, Kayla Ewell, who played Vicky, who's such a great, wonderful, amazing person. There were times when we'd sit there and fight it out with each other and with the writers, like, well, maybe we could keep her, you know? And then it's always, it's always when you know that it's best for the story, but it's really, really, really painful choice to make. Those are the biggest fights. Right, right. Well, thanks, V, for calling in. And I just wanted to let you know, Julie, that V is an amazing friend of the VRO, and she also is one of the runners of the best Vampire Diaries site out there, I do believe. Oh, I know. Yeah, vampirediaries.net, which is awesome. She actually contacted me, and it's so funny because it took me about, like, half a year to remember. Right when this pilot got announced and that we were doing it she found me on facebook and just said hey i heard you're doing the pilot at least i think it was me um you know i said is there anybody to talk to and i said well we don't really know anything yet so maybe track me down once there's actually a show to talk about and then so we found her site like almost immediately and honestly not to you know not to double plug but vampire diaries and that is like sick ridiculous awesome great web <laughs> and and all the all of us and the actors too are big fans and really grateful awesome. for that sport 
Yeah, a lot of the actors, when we've talked to them, have said, oh, yeah, VampireDiaries.net, that's a great site. So, yeah, it's very true. All right, our um, last caller for this round, I, believe, I, I think it might be our last caller for the evening, and then we've got the rest of the fan questions, is okay. Melinda. Melinda, you're on the line with Julie. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Why have you been oh, no? <laughs> Danger. Danger, Will Robinson. <laughs> Okay, I was going to tell you, I hope you had a great 29th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did, again and again. How are you? I'm good. So I guess my next question of do you remember me from Paley Fest, you kind of answered. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> you were the highlight, the highlight of the night. I, that was like the best night of my life. Well, except for I did, how awesome is this? I did get to go to Georgia, and I was an extra on the show, and I got to talk to Paul a lot. <laughs> I follow you on Twitter. I know your whole story. I'm, oh, oh don't, don't read everything I write. Just sometimes I overlook things. Um, anyway, my, my question for you is, um, you kind of touched on earlier how you and Kevin sometimes disagree, but... What happens when you disagree about what should be said or done in a scene? Like, do you guys flip a coin? Do you arm wrestle? Do you try to compel one another? Do you, you know, just <laughs> sit down and go, all right, we're going to reach a compromise? How do, you, how do you come up with that? You know, I think more often than not, one of us just gives up. Um, because they basically feel like, well, if you if you can defend that position that strongly, then it's a good choice. It might not be the choice I would have made, but you're but I'm willing to take a leap of faith and trust in the choice that you want to make. And and it kind of depends on who feels stronger in the moment. I mean, more often than not, what happens is like we'll be arguing about something, and then either you know Kevin or somebody else will just be like, well, what about this? And then it's like the perfect fixed to the argument and we found the best idea um there have been a couple times where kevin's like you know what i hate this but you want to do it go for it and and vice versa and i always we always laugh at each other because like we'll do something that i'm like ah, i don't think that was a very good idea that he really likes and then of course like fans will love it or we'll do something that he hated that i like really fought for and and the fans will love it and so <laughs> we are always like haha see and he's like i still think it's bad i still i still disagree but um, no, we. I mean, we have that kind of relationship. We've known each other for a really, really long time, a lot of years, and so we have that ability because we have. There's a lot of love and a lot of friendship that goes way back that we can, we can fight like that and you know creatively duke it out and 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 still kind of out the other side, um, friends and you know good successful partners with each other. So it's good. Oh yeah, that's awesome. All right, thanks, Melinda, for calling. Okay, thanks, we'll get back to. Bye, the- Melinda. <laughs> We'll get we'll get back to some of these fan questions. This one's another one of those ones that had amazing commentary. It actually was sent in to us as another question from Candace, the film student who called in a little while ago with her question. Um, this is one that she sent to us via email, and her her commentary and question is: I think the show is one of the best at showing the gray area between good and evil. There's always this particular emphasis that no one is born good or evil. It all rides on the choices you make and that you can change. And because of that, I would definitely label TVD, The Vampire Diaries, a character-driven show. So when you guys are writing scripts for the new episodes and coming up with new story arcs, how much do you actually consider the emotional storyline before the actual plot? Uh, Always. Always, we 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 always we love our emotional. We we like to build from the emotional story, and then we have to find ourselves, you know, 
creating the plot and moving the plot forward. And because so, sometimes we'll get so caught up in like just a relationship moment or an emotional beat, and, and, and like, well, you know, pitch it and somebody will cry or we'll laugh or we'll be so proud of ourselves and like, oh, that's so great. And then we'll realize, oh, what's the story? <laughs> what are we doing? Um, you know, it's funny that the thing that she hit on in that, in that statement, which I actually really thought was really, really interesting and, and really well stated, is this idea of choice. You know, that's a, that's a choice that we made when we were creating, you know, adjusting the mythology from the books was this notion that the vampire can choose to complete the transition or to die, which is a terrible choice, of course, for anybody. And so there's really no right way to do it. But we're, we're sitting around right now talking about whether or not there's going to be a similar choice to be made for the werewolf, you know, um, because werewolves, you know, like in, 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 traditional folklore they're bitten and turned and then i think in in the vampire diaries books they're bitten but then they or it's passed on to them but then they have to kill and feed uh in order to trigger it and so we're we're talking about all the different scenarios in which we can either take that choice away from the werewolves which then of course makes them terribly tragic characters who have no free will in that sense or to um build in a similar choice because i think that's the most fascinating part of a monster is, you know, is did they have that moment where they could have gone either way? Right. right. Well, that leads right into the next question, which is awesome, which the, the question was sent in, can we get some scoop on the werewolves? Will they be against the vampires, or will their relationship be as complicated as the witch and vampire relationship? It, it will absolutely be as complicated as the witch and vampire relationship. Um, our big... Our big um, hurdle, truthfully, is how to characterize the animosity between werewolves and vampires without directly copying Twilight. You know, um, the you know Eclipse comes out in what a month, I think, and that of course is the big you know, um, and the big you know werewolves helping out the vampires, and then that takes us you know the the, the vampire werewolf alliance takes us through the rest of the Twilight series, and so it's really it's complicated, and then you've got a wolf, I guess, coming up on True Blood, and so there's a lot of people exploring the same terrain. Um, so I think what we're doing is we're building off of the the basic notion that you know from from the beginning of time, so to speak, that vampires and werewolves have not been friends, and we're we're talking about in the room if we want to create our own mythology for how that came to pass, or why specifically the Lockwood you know werewolf is 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 special, and you know all kinds of great stuff that we're playing with. Um, but it's 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 tough knowing that a lot of other people are doing it too because you don't want it to be too similar, but there's also you know there's a, a folklore that you want to be respectful of as well. Exactly, exactly. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, yeah. <neither. laughs> my, my mind is going like a million miles a minute right now. All right, so yeah. um, this is actually my question, and um, we had some similar questions um, to it because I'm totally team Jeremy. But um, I wanted to know why didn't Jeremy put up a fight for Anna um, in the way that you see Elena does for Stefan anytime he's in trouble because they took, they took Anna and then Jeremy just went home. And we were all kind of like, what, what just happened? So um, was there like a... 
It's it's super subtle. Um, so it's you know it might just be a bunch of writers in their own head being you know self-important. But psychologically speaking, to me, this is a kid that he's first of all you know not even sixteen, I don't think, and like he's very much experienced trauma on multiple levels, both consciously with the death of his parents and then in his, you know, erased memories with, you know, that that watching Vicky die and then, of course, in, in his, you know, in his memories that weren't taken away, learning about her death and learning of her loss. And so for me, it's like an, a, a dissociative moment where the minute Anna was taken from him, he says to Damon, I kind of figured, you know, it's you don't necessarily always react to trauma and to loss in a pure, you know, emotionally cathartic way. Sometimes you can just shut off and shut down, and I think that that's ultimately what kind of foreshadowed Jeremy's choice that he made at the end of the episode, which is like if I have the opportunity to disconnect and shut off from feeling this, then I'm not going to feel it. And that is what we meant to do with his response in that moment with Anna. Now, whether that came across on screen, I can't say, but... Well, you explaining it like that helped me. Like, I'll like when I go back and watch the season finale because I haven't watched it for a second time yet. Then I'll uh, yet I say second. Like we're all going to watch it like twenty, but um, I'll I'll be able I'll be able to watch that better. But yeah, I'll understand it better. I think second time going. Well, um, is there a possibility that Meredith, who's the character from the book, is going to be introduced in the show? Yes. (laughs) There is a possibility. (laughs) Yay. All right, and have you ever talked to L.J. Smith about the show? And if so, what does she think? Um, she actually sent Kevin recently a very complimentary email um, saying that, that she uh, loved the casting of Bonnie and it was really you know, supportive, a supporter of the show and was impressed with the things that we had done, um, even the things that were different. And it was nice, it was a nice communication between, the, the, between them that, uh, that was very sweet of her to reach out. That's awesome. That's good. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That is really nice, to, especially because you have changed a lot of things but are still, you know, following, you know, the 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 storyline as far as the, the werewolves, the vampires and everything, and that she's, you know, on board with it. It's really cool. It's really awesome. It, it's, it's something for you that, that she's, you know, the original writer of the whole thing is, is thinking that what you're doing is cool. I guess you... That's probably, yeah. I don't know, I would think, I would think, wow, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely, it would be It would be a bummer if it were the other way around. Exactly. All right, well, now we're going to get into a section of questions that's more um, about you, the writing, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and the first one is, how did you and Kevin Williamson come to work together? Um, did you pitch a project, the project together, or were you assigned after the fact to work together on this project? Um, Kev and I have known each other for about 15 years, and I actually used to work for him back in the day before I was a writer. At least that's what I say, because I didn't think I was a writer at the time. So I was his, uh, I don't know, like some title, the vice president of production and development at his company a long time ago. Um, He actually poached me. I was Wes Craven's assistant on Scream and Kevin and I became friends on Scream and then you know as I got promoted and he got a big fancy deal he hired me and we worked together for a couple years and then we went our own separate ways and kind of stayed friends over the years and he and I were just having lunch um, as friends with Jen Breslow who is an executive at the CW who when I worked for Kev Jen was Kevin's assistant 
and has, you know, over the years then took over my job and then moved into network television. And so we were just having a friendly lunch about a year and a half ago. And it was the week before Twilight opened, and so we were talking about Twilight, and we were talking about vampires. And I had just uh, pitched a project to somebody else about that had supernatural stuff in it, and that was, you know, I was still finishing up on Kyle XY, and I said, oh, my God, I would love to do a vampire show, but nobody's going to make a vampire show right now because of Twilight and Tree Blood. And Jen said, well, we want to. We have this book that we've been trying to find a writer for, and Kevin said, oh, I know that book. Somebody sent it to me as like a possible feature a while back. And so he had read the synopsis or he'd read the book. I don't remember. And she looked at us and she said to Kev, she's like, you want to write it? And he said, nah. And I said, I do. <laughs> and and he goes, well, if you do, I do too. And okay, let's do it together. And she's, we sort of laughed and she looked at us. She's like, no, seriously, guys, if you're like messing with me right now, I'm going to kill you um, because I can go upstairs and make this deal happen today. And so we, he and I just kind of looked at each other and we're like, sure, why not? And it literally happened that easily. And then we had to go read the books. <laughs> and then and then we read the first book and we were like, oh, no, this is Twilight. What are we going to do? Um, <laughs> we have to say no because, I mean, you know, look, I was thrilled for my, you know, first experience, you know, creating a TV show. But the last thing he needed to do was, you know, a, basically a Twilight for television. That would have been a terrible choice for him in his career, and I knew that. And really, it wasn't something that I needed to do either um, as my first job, because then I would just be, you know, that girl. Um, so it, it actually took us reading the books in their entirety to realize that we could make a show that wasn't too Twilighty, and and that's when we just dove in and did it. Awesome. And yeah, you actually and, um, you did a good job because I'm not a Twilight fan, yeah. so. You did a good job not oh, okay. not making them alike. That's and good to I hear. I am a huge Twilight fan. I am a huge Twilight fan, but I really see the Vampire Diaries as so different from Twilight. So you've done a great job. You know? Oh, so thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the pilot was tough because the storylines are very similar. But after that, it was like nothing. Easy breezy. Yep. Well, um... How important is music for the show, and is it picked before or after the episode is actually filmed? Um, it's picked afterwards, uh, mostly mostly because that's when the editors get into it, and the editors are the ones with the music supervisor that sort of plays the music when they put their first cut together. But it's so important um, in its in its moments. You know, sometimes it's just like, oh, we're in the grill, we have to have a song playing, and you know, it just you know kind of fills the space a little bit. But for the most part, I'm a big believer. You know, I'm a big fan of what they used to do on the OC and then what Grey's Anatomy does so well and what other TV shows have started adopting. We certainly did it on Kyle XY and do it a lot on this show, which is that music is like that extra layer of dialogue. It's an extra storyteller. Um, so that's the songs you choose and the lyrics that you choose actually help you uh, support your story or take your story to a new level. And for me, you know, one of the things that I'm so proud of that we've been able to do on this show, which is which is a miracle because nobody's ever like given us any crap about it, is that Chris Malaire, our music supervisor, or our editors, who are all great, you know, music-minded guys, will put in a song. They don't care who the band is, if they're famous, if they're huge, if they're popular. They'll just find a song that they love. And they'll put it in, and if I watch the episode or Kevin wants the, the, watches the episode and, and we feel something, then we say, oh, we love that song. And if we don't feel something, we'll say, hey, can you swap that song out? 
and and then the songs live in the show. So like, I mean, the Mad Langer song at the end of uh, uh, episode 104. I can't remember the title. Um, shoot, before Lost Girls, but Car Wash. Um, that the beauty of the dark song. I saw that episode for the first time and my head exploded. And that six act montage with that song. I'd never heard that artist before. Never heard that song. We had to track him down in Sweden to clear the song. Because, like, he doesn't even have a label. He, did, at the time, didn't even have a label in the United States. So Chris had to, like, find him in Sweden to get the song cleared. And it's just a song that Josh Butler, our editor, had found at, like, Amoeba, you know, in, like, the Swedish <laughs> artist bin, you know. And it just, I mean, a moment like that and a song placement like that and the way it tells the story, it makes you feel. It's so unbelievably exciting to see and and I love that we can do that and that nobody's calling us and saying um can you please put you know Lady Gaga on your show you know so that we can get good marketing it um right. it's it's great I'm I'm really proud of the music on our show I I, I, I a lot of people have become fans of the music because of it because I know VampireDiaries.net they post um like a soundtrack every episode so it's opened up yeah. a, a new world for everybody. Yeah, and you know, there's times okay. when we use the big artists, and like we use the Paramore song, and because that worked great. Like it wasn't that 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 moment in uh, Under Control was not about showcasing a Paramore Paramore song. It was because it worked so brilliantly in the moment that we were like, okay, it's okay that it's a big band, which we don't usually do. It works awesome, so we're going to use it. Yeah, and yeah, for me, the music. Because being, I'm a musician myself, so for me, the music, it does add a whole other layer to the show. And I'll tell you what, the soundtrack for it, you know, because people have put, you know, the iMixes up on iTunes and, and listed every song that you can get from the, you know, that's been played on the series and, you know, can download it. And it's just amazing to sit back and listen. And then when you sit back and listen later, you reminisce about the show. Yeah. So for me, the music, yeah, the music is a big deal because it just, it adds so much. Well, we we finally, um, we got our soundtrack deal in place and it's, um, it's, I believe the soundtrack is going to come out in October, so it's going to have elements of the first season and then some songs from the, the second season and then some new songs that we'll use throughout the season. And uh, and what I, the one thing I said to them when they were talking about it, and I said, look, I get that you guys want to find a platform to release new music, and that's great, and we'll use it, but we've got to be able to have the songs on the soundtrack that I consider to be those music moments. The Jason Walker song, um, you know, from the end of Lost Girls with Molly, his co-singer. I can't remember her last name. Sorry, Molly. Um, the, the like, Mads Langer song, if possible. The 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 song that was at the end of um, Let the Right One In. You know, these moments that musically yeah. just hit so hard that I feel like I can't, if I hear the song, I'm always going to remember that sequence. And I want to make sure those are on the soundtrack as well. Well, oh, if you have to, you can always make it a double. Pardon me? Is it, if you have to, you can always make it a double. It can be a double soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what they did say is they're gonna do um, they're gonna do a a digital soundtrack, which you know is available. I probably like I guess on iTunes or something that can have a lot more tracks on it than the the CD soundtrack. And so that's where I'm gonna push for like <laughs> to get oh, those yeah. moments in. Oh yeah. Well, um, we know that. Several of the actors on the show are also musically inclined. So, do you plan on showcasing that a little bit? Um, 
we always talk about it, and we've never found the moment in which to do it. Um, but I'm sure it'll happen. I mean, I, I remember my I was so desperate to do a musical episode of Kyle XY and had the show going on like five years. I'm sure we would have figured out a way to make it happen because once more with feeling that Buffy episode is one of the, my favorite things on the planet. Oh, and uh, I just love... I love musical episodes, and they're they're always. I mean, they're, they're like notoriously the episode that jumps the shark for the series, and so you're not supposed to do them. But um, but I love it. I, but no, I, we will certainly never do a musical episode of Vampire Diaries. But the fact that Candace can sing, and that Katarina can sing, and that Stephen plays the guitar and the harmonica, and you know, I mean, they're all kind of amazing. So that maybe there'll be uh, you know little ways that we can weave it in throughout. Oh, I hope so. That sounds good. All right, another fan question. When writing, what's the most important thing you need to have in front of you, and do you have any set props or pictures that you use to, I guess, move the creative process? I have uh, an iPod mix that is combination of the songs we've, that we've used on the show or that I've used on Kyle XY that I loved, you know, those moment songs that make me feel good, um, mixed with the Friday Night Lights soundtrack from the movie, mixed with <laughs> randomly some, like, Josh Groban and some, <laughs> some David Cook and, you know, it's songs that I just love and, you know, that get me into a groove, mixed with thousands of songs that Chris Malaire has given me, just, you know, artists and bands that, that he's found, in, you know, in his searches that he feels like are right for the show. And I just have this, like, thousand-song playlist that just plays, and I have those noise-canceling headphones. And that's the, that's the only way I can write. I have to be, I have to have the headphones, music, and I have to just, like, sink into the into the groove and then Kevin I got Kevin on to music when he writes and then he he used to need uh, the TV on but now he can write with music and, and those headphones and so he'll listen to like Taylor Swift and, and his country music and, and all that so that's what we do country music awesome. oh well <laughs> oh yeah well the next question is do you have any weird quirks that you perform when you're writing <laughs> oh gosh no, I actually don't. I'm a very, I'm I'm pretty normal. Uh, you know, I I unfortunately like I'll finish a scene and I have to get up and like sometimes smoke a cigarette because I need to like get my head in for the next scene, um, which of course is a terrible thing to do. Um, and uh, I, sometimes I don't like get into the groove writing until like eight o'clock at night, so I'll be up till four or five in the morning. If somebody told me I had to get up at eight o'clock in the morning and write all day, I would die because it's just I can't think until noon, so I'm, my my time schedule is weird. All of our time schedules are weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None of us have a normal time schedule these days. <laughs> well, um, uh, do you picture things a certain way in your head when writing and then have them look completely different when filmed? And if so, does that bother you? Yes, it does. Um Sometimes, most of the time, because I was a I was a producer um, and a development executive a long time before I wrote, so I spent a lot of time on set and making you know movies and TV shows before I actually was a writer. And so I I think like um, I I I I block the scene in my head as I'm writing it, so I have a very clear sense of what it's supposed to look like and what it's supposed to feel like. And so every now and then I won't translate that properly onto the page and won't communicate it properly to a director. And then I'll see the scene and be like, 
oh my God, this is so not even remotely close to what I thought it was going to be. And, oh, shit, <laughs> you know. But more often than not, it, um, it it's elevated by the director's choices, you know. That, like, especially, you know, the, one of the greatest things when we see a cut for the first time is watching something cut together that I didn't see it necessarily that way, but it's, like, better than I could have ever imagined. And that's that's the nice thing. It, it's got to help to have someone as much of a genius as Marcos. Uh, oh, God, Marcos. I mean, he's there aren't amazing. even enough words to say nicely about Marcos. He's just, he's so incredibly talented and such a fantastic human being and great guy and great friend and just passionate and committed and and awesome. And Yeah, yeah I'm, a huge, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of all of his work. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Well, how often do you actually visit the sets? Well, Last year, I was there at the beginning of the season for the first, like, three and a half, four weeks before I came back to L.A. to get into it with the editing uh, and the other and the rest of the writing staff. Um, and then we got behind so early in season one. We were behind by episode three, basically. <laughs> and every script was late from episode three on. And so Kevin and I never left the office again and never got to Atlanta, never got back there. And at the end of the season, we were thinking about going down for the wrap party because we actually had, you know, for the first time all year, a weekend where we didn't have to be writing a script. And Marcus was like, um, yeah, I don't know if you guys want to come. <laughs> he, said, he said, put it this way. The, the, the crew has a band that's that like they're, they're playing at the rap party. And he said, I just saw the set list and the last song that they're singing is we're not going to take it by twisted sister dedicated to the writer's room. And you're like, Wow. Okay. You know, yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're going to stay home. We'll 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 go at the beginning of season 2 and try to make friends again and make them love us again, but they they definitely uh, you know, when you got a bunch of people, you know, who have to part of their doing their jobs well is having ample time to prep an episode. You're supposed to prep an episode for 8 days and then you shoot it for 8 days. And by the end of the season, we were getting them the scripts one day before they shot and that's oh, it's, it makes it incredibly difficult for them to do their jobs and to their credit they still did their jobs magnificently well and and you know thank god <laughs> um but uh yeah it was it, it was tough so we're going to go at the beginning of the season and we're going to spend as much time there as we can but because our editing room is here and our writers are here it's hard to stay down there too long well hopefully i'll run into you that would be fun yeah yeah yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, we're there a lot. I, I, we actually, Amber and I both live in the metro Atlanta area, so we get to go out and visit the set and watch them film quite a bit, and it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. That's great. So. I'm, I'm surprised you're not bored yet. Uh, I'd get bored after about five minutes. Oh, no, I don't get no, bored. No. It's really cool to watch them out there. It really is. <laughs> okay, just a couple more questions, and we're almost at the, we're in the home stretch right now. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> and I thank you. I'm just going to go ahead and thank you real quick now for staying with us for so long because so many people sent questions. Um, we appreciate so much that you stuck around and answered all these fans' questions for us. Well, the, the Twitter hype was kind of huge. I felt like I had to live up to something. <laughs> Everyone's no, like, it's going to be epic. And I was like, shit, I'm not epic. What am I going to do? <laughs> I better stay on as long as possible. You are epic. I don't know. You are epic. We got this more questions epic. for you. <laughs> yeah, we got more questions and more 
um, more questions and more response and more emails for you than any of the other cast from the Vampire Diaries. So it is. By the way, I will say you can't you can't hold him to this. But Kevin's like he's like I'll talk to them at some point too. I'd love to. And I was like, well, you should talk to them after the premiere of season two because then everyone's going to be freaking out and and you'll have new information for them. So you you guys should follow him up on that and and convince oh, him to yeah, do we, it. Oh yeah, we are. We will. We're definitely we will. trying to we're definitely trying to schedule with him to get him on. Okay. okay. Last couple of questions. Um. Uh, one fan wrote in that they've noticed on Twitter that you've been reading a lot. Could you suggest some books? <gasps> yes, I can. Well, I mean, I've, I've kind of listed them on Twitter, but I, because I mentioned my secret fantasy of writing a young adult novel at some point, like I've actually been reading a lot of them over the last couple of years, um, mostly the genre stuff, you know, and some of the ally stuff that, you know, because we're in business with them and I just I wanted to support their work. But I read a lot of um a lot of those books, which is kind of weird because I'm a grown woman and I should be, you know, I should, my reading choices should have matured, but I just find them to be so incredibly well written lately. I mean, so much more so than when I was growing up in the series. Even the, even those soapy series like The It Girl and The A List and Private and those things, like, they're even, they're even better written in, than the books I grew up with. And so I've been enjoying those just for kicks, but I, uh, I'm obsessed with, um, the Vampire Academy, which I talk about all the time, which is a book that I started reading right after we signed on to this, and I just thought it was so well written and so good. And the Scott uh, Wester Westerfield Westerberg series, the the Uglies, the Pretties. Um, there's four of them, but this starts with the Uglies, which I just think are so well written and so much fun to read. Um, I just read Hunger Games and its sequel. Somebody somebody suggested Hunger Games to me. I'd never even heard of it, and it turns out that it was like the most popular young adult novel of last year, I think, and I had never heard of it. And uh, and so I I read that and loved it. And then I've been reading other things that people have suggest, suggested that I haven't liked as much, so I haven't been calling them out. Like some of the some of the other um, like supernatural genre YA stuff. And then over Christmas, I read The Help, which was amazing, um, which I think was an Oprah book or something. I'm not really sure. And uh, and then the the one that just blew my mind the most that I read on my vacation was The Book Thief, which apparently is classified as a young adult novel, which I didn't know. Um, but it was the most beautiful, tragic, heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, ridiculously like awesome read of of my last year I loved it I cried like a baby couldn't stop crying for like hours and hours but I highly recommend that book to everybody awesome so people, well, people in the chat are actually responding they're they're saying you know oh love that book love that book so yeah they're listening they're going to read <laughs> oh good yeah, yeah like I read I read Fallen which I liked and then I read Hush Hush which I didn't like as much and I tried. There's some. There's some vampire series that's like set in kind of the backwoods. That can't remember which one that is. But I tried that and I didn't get into it right away, so I put it down. Um, and then I tried the one about like the marked. I think um, where they like suddenly just get marked on their forehead and suddenly they're they're supernatural. And I I didn't get into that right away. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for spending so much time with us tonight. We so enjoyed having you here. We've got one last favor to ask for you, um, of you, if you could do this for us. We always ask our guests to, to um, do a little sound bite for us. 
that we can clip and use in some of our later shows, and we'll just record it. Um, and if you could say, this is Julie Pleck, and you're listening to the VRO, and we'll record it whenever you're ready. Okay. This is right. Julie Pleck. Oh, wait, do I have to start over? <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. Okay. This is Julie Pleck, and you're listening to the VRO. Okay, awesome. And I'm going to bring... I'm going to bring Amy, Amy back in, because Amy has um, put together something, a little something special for you. Hey, Julie. Hi. Okay, so last night we had a top secret vampire diary show, and we tried to keep it off Twitter as much as we could, because a lot of cast is following us and a lot of crew, so hopefully it worked. So this is just something we put together last night for you. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, Julie. It's Maram from Egypt. I love you so much. Happy birthday. Thank you for being amazing. I can't wait for season two. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, Julie. This is Kimberly. I'm at Cutesy Kimmy on Twitter, and I just wanted to tell you that you're amazing, and I wanted to wish you a really amazing, totally epic happy birthday because you totally deserve it, and you work way too hard, and the show would be nothing without you, and... So just enjoy your day and have a really happy birthday. <laughs> hey, Julie Black, I'm just wishing you a happy birthday. This is Jason for Mobile X on Twitter. And I just want to thank you so much for being a amazing show, both you and me, Kevin. And I hope you have an amazing birthday. Keep up the good work. And I plan on bringing both you and Kevin to a special pancake. <laughs> oh my Salvatore Hey Julie, it's Chloe or TVD Chloe on Twitter And I just wanted to wish you a very happy birthday And I also wanted to congratulate you on a very successful season one And I can't wait to see what you have in store for the many more seasons to come Happy birthday Happy birthday Julie, I just want to say you're an amazing writer And I hope to see more of your work especially in the Vampire Diaries. Thank you. Uh, hey, Julie, this is Simone from Salvatore Council Podcast. Um, I just want to say thank you for making my Thursday nights amazing, and sometimes even the hype carries over into Friday, of course. So um, thanks for making my life amazing, basically, and um, have a good one. I hope your birthday is amazing. And um, keep season two coming at just as great as season one was. Hey, Julie, it's Chrissy at Chrissy Roberts on Twitter. Um, just wanted to wish you a happy birthday, and I hope the enormity of your epicness blows everything else that you've ever had out of proportion. Love ya. Hey, Julie Black, uh, this is someone you know. Can you guess who it is? <laughs> Can you? Anyway, I just wanted to wish you a belated That's happy Kevin, birthday. you guys. And I love you, and I want to say happy birthday. And I just have one question for you. Um, why is Elena's hair brown? Because in the book, it was blonde. <laughs> That's it. I love you. Bye. Happy birthday, Julie. I think you're amazing. And from all the fans to you, we love you so much. Continue to create and bring us this heart-pounding, awesome, fantastic madness every single Thursday. So enjoy your day, and I love you. Happy birthday, Julie. This is Marina. 
Mina Loves CBD on Twitter. Thank you with all my heart for this brilliant, wonderful, creative masterpiece, The Vampire Diaries. This one goes out to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Julie. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Julie. I can't wait for Aww. season two. Nice. <laughs> hey, Julie. It's Kelsey Remy on Twitter, and I want to wish you a very wonderful birthday full of happiness and everything else good in this world. And thank you for a great season one, and we all wish you luck on season two. And um, we all love you. Hi, Julie. It's Natalie, Friendship 116. And I wanted to wish you a very happy birthday. I hope you have a beautiful day. I wanted to thank you so much for being such an awesome writer and part of such an amazing writing creative team. I'm not a vampire person at all, so it says a lot about you guys' genius and talent, but I'm totally addicted to your show. It's amazing, and I can't wait for season two. I love you guys. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Julie. This is V from VampireDiaries.net. Uh, thank you for Thursday nights for being a fan as well as a kick-ass creative force. Please reward yourself by writing a shirtless scene or two or ten and make sure they all make it to air. Thank you. Happy birthday. Hey, Julie. It's Amy from the VRO. I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Julie. I hope you have an amazing day. Love, Kristen. This is Ella, Grounded Souls, on Twitter. I just want to say happy birthday, Julie. Thanks for all the awesome writing that you do for the show. And I'm glad that my picture of Damon, or Ian Shirtless inspired you to write the Shirtless Damon scene. So hopefully there will be more of them this season. And can't wait to see what you come up with. Thank you. Hey, Julie. This is Amanda. I'm at an awesome concert right now, but I'm taking time out to tell you happy birthday. So I hope it's awesome, and thanks for everything you've done. Okay. So, uh, okay. Uh, dear Julie, first of all, you rock. Thank you for bringing us uh, the most addictive show since Buffy. Uh, I can't imagine any of us not being glued to the screen when uh, season two, episode one, uh, comes on. And I'm so glad you backed Chloe, because Chloe, oh, that's just what every fan wants to be. But anyway. It's your birthday, so here's a little uh, Irish blessing for you. May you live a long life full of gladness and health, with a pocket full of gold as the least of your wealth. May the dreams you hold dear be those which come true. May the kindness you spread keep returning to you. And especially the last two lines that they show you all over. So, love ya and happy birthday. Uh, from Arwen Vampire. Bye. <laughs> okay. Uh, happy birthday, Julie. I think you're absolutely fantastic. The Vampire Diaries wouldn't be the same without you, and I'm so happy that you're here. And uh, hate sharing your birthday wish with, it, with this, but bring Anna back. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hey, Julie. Happy birthday. Hope it's going splendidly. Thank you for the Vampire Diaries Season 1. It was amazing. Can't wait for the second one. And... Remember, the only thing that can make you happy on your birthday is your friends and family and the long-driving fun all come. Feliz cumpleaños a ti, feliz cumpleaños a ti, feliz cumpleaños a Julie, feliz cumpleaños a ti. Hi Julie, my name is Paulina Davis and I uh, 
Just wanted to spice things up by giving you a bilingual birthday message. And espero que tienes un buen día. Um, thank you for an amazing season one of Vampire Diaries, and I'm really looking forward to season two. Hey Julie, this is cute underscore cool underscore cats on Twitter. Just like to wish you a happy birthday. We love season one of Vampire Diaries and absolutely can't wait for season two. You made Thursdays our favorite days of the week. With love, Bill Creed and Ashley. Done. <coughs> what up, Julie? This is uh, Amber from the VRO, aka Pirate VRO. I uh, just want to wish you a really happy birthday. I hope that you had a freaking blast. Uh, you definitely deserve it. The show's amazing. Um, can't wait for season two. And, uh, yep, that's about it. Happy birthday. Hi, Julie. This is Jess from the VRO. Just wanted to call in and wish you a happy birthday. Hope you had a great day and looking forward to season two. Thanks. Hi, Julie. I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. This is Gina Jazz, VRO on Twitter, and I am one of the hosts of the VRO, and I just wanted to let you know that we love the Vampire Diaries. Keep it going, girl. Uh, hey, Julie, this is Bruno, and I'm a fan of yours from Brazil, and I just want to wish you a happy birthday, and thank you for creating two of my favorite vampires, uh, Anna and Pearl. So have a happy birthday. I love you. Bye. Okay. Hi, Julie. Julie from Australia, just ringing to wish you a very happy birthday. Next year is going to be a biggie for you. I wish you could come to Australia. We party hard here. Uh, well done on the Vampire Diaries. Can't wait to meet the cast when they come out, come out in July. I'm Team Damon all the way, and I just love Ian Summerholder. Good luck. Big party next year. Happy birthday. Love your work. Hi, Julie. Um, it's Angela. I just wanted to wish you um, a very happy birthday. I wanted to thank you for a fabulous season one, and I'm looking forward to an even better season two and the following seasons after that. I really wish we could say you guys could, you know, keep the show going on for my whole lifetime because it's my favorite show, but <laughs> I know that's not possible. But I just really wanted to thank you for, um, you know, all the hard work you've put into um, the season and the future seasons that you're going to be working on. Um, it's one of my favorite shows. Well, it is my favorite show, and um, I really appreciate your hard work, and I just want you to know that people appreciate what you do. Happy birthday, and happy future birthday, too. Hello, this is uh, Shirtham from South Africa. So I'm going to wish you a very, very happy birthday um, from everybody here, and I hope you have a great time. Hi, Julie. This is Jeff from California, and I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday, and you're amazing, and I want to thank you for all you've done for us. Vampire Diaries is awesome. Happy birthday, Julie. Thanks for making an awesome show. So that's pretty much it. Happy birthday, Julie, my Cabo girl, my dear <laughs> friend, and one of the best writers. That would be Sheriff Forbes. In the world. Love, 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 Marguerite. <laughs> Hey Julie, my name is Jessica, and I'd like to wish you a happy birthday. I want to give a happy birthday to the best imagination in the world. I run VampireStalkers.com, and because of your phenomenal writing, I now have a great relationship with my 14-year-old daughter, Brandon. Thanks for spending all your free time writing this amazing show. We wouldn't know what to do with Thursday nights without you. Happy, happy, happy birthday, and I hope you have many, many more. 
That's it. Oh my God, you guys, that was so nice. That was, that was like the time my my friend had all my friends. Everyone had to pick two songs, and then record a little message about why they picked those two songs. And she made me a CD of all the songs my friends picked in their little messages. And that was that rivaled that is one of the nicest things anybody's ever done for me. <laughs> and um, Stephen Martinez, who played Frederick, he wanted yeah. me to tell you happy birthday. He couldn't call in tonight or last night because he's in the studio. Oh, boy, he's hot, isn't he? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because what's, I don't get to meet a lot of these guys because you know I'm here in LA and you know so I when I watch them on the show I watch them like a fangirl, and you know I hadn't met Matt Davis until December and so he's already on the show and I, he walks on the screen and I'm like oh he's so cute <laughs> and so Frederick I'm like God he's sexy <laughs> yeah oh, oh yeah. Lord. <laughs> So we th- we thank the casting director. We thank him, thank him, thank him. Oh yes, yes. so do we. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much. This is amazing, and it's it's honestly it's you know for me because I'm such a fan geek about shows that I love, and I love you know I I I've talked about the stuff that I watch religiously, and if if there was an opportunity for me as a fan to to listen to you know people on the show or people who wrote like if I got to sit down and have a conversation with. Joss Whedon, I just about die. So it's just so cool oh, that you guys you. are giving this forum to people so that, you know, and I love that you just like swooped in and you got everybody to do it. And I mean, there's not a magazine in Hollywood that would be able to accomplish this. So I'm impressed. Thank you. Well, thank so you. when we thank have Joss Whedon on, you can interview him. Oh, please. Yes. I'm there. <laughs> all right. Take care, you guys. And thanks to everybody who was listening and, and called in and all the birthday wishes. That's so sweet. And I really appreciate it. And we'll, I'm sure, have a time to talk again in Season 2. Yes. Thank oh, you yeah. so much. Thank Bye, you. guys. Yeah. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that was, like, probably one of the most epic interviews ever. I want to start screaming right now. <laughs> I'm almost in tears. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm okay. literally, I, no, I, I am crying. I'm literally in tears right now. That was so amazing. Uh, I am just amazed that we got through all of the questions we had. That was four pages of questions, 14 callers. In two hours. In two hours. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. Um, that was. That was, epic is, I mean, I just feel like it was bigger than epic. I can't even, I wish there was another word that I could think of right now. But uh, that was amazing. Yeah. Okay. Okay, So tomorrow night we have, tomorrow night we have Malik. She will be on at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am not sure, we we did confirm the date again today, but I'm not sure if we're going to take callers yet. So we'll keep you updated on that. And um, then, on the first, we have, um, I swear, I'm so bad with names, Susan Walters, Walters. (laughs) Susan Walters, Walters, at 9 p.m., and then that will maybe end our Vampire Diary Month, Um, like me and Amber said, we got some other stuff working out, and we said it last night during the birthday show. 
that we have some stuff up our sleeves that hopefully, hopefully, hopefully pans out. And if it doesn't, it will eventually. <laughs> but um, I want to thank Chloe, and I want to thank Sherry, and I want to thank Christy, and I want to thank um, Jessica from VampireStalkers.com, and Sherry is from PaulWesleyFans.com for helping out in the chat room tonight. Thank you, girls. Angie, too. Angie from the VRO is in yes. there. Angie popped in there. I think she popped in around um, the last 30 minutes of the show. Yep. So, Angie, thank you. And you girls kept the chat room busy and made sure that everyone was being nice. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. And... Yep. Oh, <laughs> I can't even. <sighs> Gina can't focus because I was like, wait, no. No, listen to what listen to what people are tweeting right now. This is amazing. This is a tweet. I'm gonna send it to you in chat. Everybody's quoting this. There's not a magazine in Hollywood that can accomplish this. Guys, that's big coming from her. That's really big. That's a huge deal. Like that's this is amazing. Yeah, that um, that. <laughs> I don't know what to. Say say to that. I, me and the VRO, Gina and Angie and Jess and Amber and, you know, we have some other hosts, but the five of us have worked our butts off this month. Um, it actually started, it didn't start like overnight. It started three, four months ago. We were planning this. And all of a sudden, things just started lining up, and, you know, I wanted it to do, I wanted, I really, really wanted to do it for the fans. That's the only reason we do this, is for the fans. And I get teary-eyed, I get so emotional when I see, like, one Twitter, it's like, oh, I'm going to be listening to the VR tonight. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. And for Julie to say that, that just, I don't know. Yeah. (sighs) <sighs> Sorry, guys. I just I keep on going. <sighs> I know, I know. But I'm with Amy on that. Like I I came in kind of towards the end game, so I've put in a lot of work, but not nearly as much as these girls. But it has been worth every fucking second, and I'm gonna say the f word because <laughs> it has been worth every second of not sleeping. Staying up till seven in the morning, doing whatever—it has been worth. It's really been worth it, and I'm—I'm I'm really glad to be a part of this. Like, it's—it's it's really awesome. Last it's been night, really awesome. Um, our late night shows this month has actually kept us with, you know, made us—I don't know how to say it. We didn't lose our mind. It kept us from losing our mind. Our late night shows. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because if we didn't have our late the only night thing shows. Kept me going. Yeah. Yeah. We would have went crazy. But um Or to bed. Yeah. Last <laughs> night last night after the birthday show, we went from the birth the interview to the birthday show. And I did not go to bed until probably seven AM and I um I didn't hang up on you, Sherry. Sorry. Six <laughs> AM for me. Yeah. Uh, Amy, Amber, and I worked on this interview of various aspects. If you noticed, if you guys who got the emails about your calls, 
were probably at 3 a.m. The emails got sent out. <laughs> because, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, we worked on various aspects, the three of us, from right after the birthday show was over until 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. was around mm-hmm. about when um, when Amber fell off and went to bed. <laughs> yeah, I was and like, I, guys, please. <laughs> and then at 5.30, I, I was like, okay, Gina, I'm, I'm off to bed. I'm off to bed. Gina IMs me, and she's like, I can't get into Blog Talk Radio. And I said, what? I know. I went I to like, Blog Talk Radio, and it went, it was down. It was like under maintenance. So I sat here in front of my computer until 7 a.m. refreshing my page until Blog Talk Radio came back up. Because I was like, they better not, they better not, <laughs> they better have it back up before the interview tonight. And just, we do it for you guys. Just like that one little Twitter that says, hey, you guys did an amazing job. Even if we only get one, we do it for you guys. That's true. And, hey, I want to say this real quick, talking about the questions. I know I want everybody to know that I did go through all 20 pages of questions. And if your question didn't get asked, it wasn't because it wasn't good. But we had to narrow it down. to Out of 20 pages, we had to narrow it down to four. And a lot of the questions were repeats. So we tried to combine them um, into, you know, one question that would have a, a big answer to it. So please don't yell and scream at us if we didn't ask your question because it, it was really hard to decide because there's so many freaking good questions. So, I mean, the fans of this show are brilliant, the way that they seek their fangs into the episode, so to speak, and really analyze what's going on. And it was really hard to do. It was really hard to do, especially, like, someone like Julie, who is the brains behind it all. It's, this was really hard to come up with questions, and I hope we did it justice because I'm I'm on the biggest high of my life right now. Like oh, I yeah, just, me too. It's amazing. And and yeah, we did not intentionally leave anybody's questions out. What we did was occasionally, like we always do for every interview. I've said this before. If questions are extremely similar, we will combine them so that we ask one question for fifteen questions that were all asking the same thing. And that's what we did with this, too. You know, there were times when we had 15 questions that were asking essentially the same thing, so we just combined them all into one. That way right. everybody got their question answered, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Aaron. Aaron. Gina, um, I love you. Looking for somebody? You love me, why? Because I keep on breathing. No, I just love you because I'm so glad that we did this together. Could you imagine if one of us would have called out tonight? Oh God. <laughs> okay, we are thanking Erin Frazzi. Erin Frazzi, we are thanking her on air right now. Big time! Thank you, Erin. Thank you. You you know what you did. Thank you. And and we know what you did, and thank you. <laughs> I'll give you a thank you song. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. You guys are amazing. You guys are absolutely yes. the most amazing. Yes. 
fans, the most amazing listeners that we have ever had. <laughs> oh. I'm just like, do, 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 do. sorry. I keep on thinking I'm, of, you know what? I'm in chat. I miss all this. <laughs> have y'all ever seen the, um, uh, you know, Sanford and Son. You know Sanford and Son, right? Because, okay, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm just a little bit bitsy right now because, you know, all of my all of my intelligence went with the interview and I'm done. <laughs> and, uh, but, <laughs> but you know, the Sanford and Son theme, you know, well, the, the comedian, Eddie, Eddie something, he made up a song for it and it was so funny. He goes, Fred Sanford, Fred Sanford had a son, had a son. A son named Lamar. <laughs> and I'm telling you what, I sing that when I get, like, kind of crazy. <laughs> I sing that to myself when I get kind of off, you know what I mean? So I'm sitting here going, <laughs> Hey, and if everybody was noticing, I did have to go pee during the interview. <laughs> if anybody, I feel like if anybody right wants now. to know. If anybody wants to know, there was a point when I was like, okay, fans are calling, I have to go pee. Like, I got to go, guys. I'll be right back. And Gina's like, it's okay. We're going to take the rest of the callers. And I was like, okay, cause I'm about to pee myself. And that was a mixture of drinking this Coke Zero and the freaking excitement that I was having. My body, Like, when I said at the beginning of the show that I felt like I was crawling in my own skin, I was serious. Like, I was literally sitting here shaking my arms in the air because I was so excited What? Well, of what was about to happen. Like, looking at this questions, you know, we saw all the questions before anybody, you know, we obviously knew the questions. And just reading these questions and imagining the answers, which blew my mind, were way better than anything I could have ever imagined. It was just like becoming the ultimate fangirl at that moment. Like, it was amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Here I go again. <laughs> Uh, Arwen is telling us to go pee and get some sleep. <laughs> That's what she's yeah, tweet- actually, she's I'm tweeting gonna... that to all of us. <laughs> oh, believe me, I don't need to sleep. I honestly don't need to sleep, but I can tell you that I'm going to go run and take a pee break real quick. You guys entertain amongst yourselves. I'll be back in a moment because I'm not taking you with me. <laughs> we will do. Okay. <sighs> Amy, are you proud? I am. Hey, I you should be proud. Are you clapping for me? Yes, I'm clapping. Everybody clap for Amy. Yay. <laughs> Thank you, Amber. You know what? I'm not the one that likes to throw myself out there and be like, yeah, I did this. Yeah, I did that. But Amber, she's always like, whatever, Amy, you're the one that did it. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I like to be in the back. So thank you, Amber. You're welcome. You know what? We got some callers. Let them in. Vampire Stalkers, you're on. Melinda, uh, well, this you're is on. Well, this is damn time. I don't wonder when you're going to unmute me. <laughs> you're on. <laughs> Sherry, you're on. Hey, girls. Hello. Thank you guys you so me? much for helping in chat tonight. Yes, I hear you. Thank you so freaking much because I was trying to look at the chat and I was trying to go back to, I was, my mind was going a million miles a minute. Like, I can't even believe, I didn't stumble over one word. I thought I was going to just throw them all up. You did amazing. <laughs> Y'all all did an amazing job tonight. 
Thank you. My yeah. eyes are kind of hurting from the chat room. I've never seen it go so fast. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm like, I know. Whoa. I know. And then I'm trying to concentrate on what people are saying and then listen to Julie, and I'm like, oh. Oh, I had to finally put my phone down at one point because my ADD was, like, killing me. <laughs> and then we had the two fussing, so I had to get on to them, but, you know, that's okay. Do Did you whoop some butt? Yeah, I, I see. I was, I, I was like Amber. I couldn't watch the chat and watch the switchboard and make sure everything was going good. And then I seen Jess put in there. I can't concentrate to the interview with all this arguing. I was like, oh shit, I better get in there. <laughs> well, I just told them it, they'd have to stop or I have to kick them out. So, and then they said they were sorry. So, thank you, you know, guys for it. listening. I, honestly, thank you guys for listening to everything we had to say in the chat room tonight with everybody changing their color back to black so I could actually see um, what our helpers were doing and what the VRO was doing in the chat room. So I really want to thank you guys for that because I know everybody likes the colored font. I love the colored font. <laughs> so thank you. And thank you for listening to Jess. If there was like a little argument breaking out and stuff. It's probably just the debate that got you know overheated, but still thank you yeah it wasn't too bad but it could have been if it went on so i've never had a chat room never had a chat room to actually listen to us which is a great chat room it really was yeah i didn't have to know i'm the shit okay they know i'm the shit i don't play (laughs) yeah he doesn't play (laughs) i'm just kidding so, real, real quick. No, you're not. Real quick, uh, real, real quick, I want to thank um, Chloe and Melinda and um, Nicole, and you guys know why I'm thanking you. Okay, why? I can't say why. They they know why. <laughs> they know why. Thank you. Yes, I do know why. And Heather, I would like to thank you, too. I think everybody for thank everybody think just thank everybody. Gosh dang, I just want to thank everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean seriously, all the Vampire Diaries fans, you guys are amazing. You um, you made this month even better. I've mm-hmm. never, never had um. Okay, I'm going to break down and almost cry here. (laughs) This month, month, we have not had, well, we've had a couple of comments where people were upset at us, but we've never actually had a month go by where we've done interviews like this where there wasn't, like, tons of tons of fandoms, you know, fussing about this and fussing about that because we're not doing what other shows are doing on Blog Talk Radio. And there was no, no one actually got upset. Nobody from the Vampire Diary fandom got upset at us for doing what we do, the way we do it. And that means a lot to me. Exactly. Me too. (coughs) You guys respect rock. That's right, they rock. You guys respect the way we have to run stuff here. And, you know... I appreciate every moment of that. And um, yeah. I'm going to go scan this call and see what's 
But Amy, okay. before you go, I want to say something. Amy? Mm-hmm. Is she there? I'm here. Yeah, she's here. Well, I wanted to say, along with that saying that, you know, everyone respects, you give that back, Amy. That's why it's given. You really respect the fans, and you really love doing what you do for the fans. So that's why we do it. Well, thank you. Believe me, if it was up to me all the time, everybody would be on this phone line. <laughs> everybody would be talking. Exactly. <laughs> we would have eight-hour shows. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's why we do this. That's the reason why we don't write all of our questions. We take fan questions because we are a fan-driven show. You know, we say it, but we mean it. We are a fan-driven show. We want you guys to be able to contact these people and feel like you have asked them a question and they have answered you directly, you know, through the interviews that we do and you have guys sending them in. You know, if we if we wanted to, we could just ask them all the questions we wanted to, but we know what it is to be a fan, too. So that's, that, that's what we are. We ask our own yeah, so that's why we don't ask our own questions. We ask your questions. I mean, every once in a while, we we throw in the same, you know, the, the a question that's the same as, as one of yours, or, you know, we'll throw in a question because we're a fan, too. But, you know, I would say 99.99% of the questions that we did tonight were fan questions. Absolutely, totally fan questions came right off of our emails and the forum. Yep. Yep. We love you guys. Because I'll tell you what, I know exactly what Amy's talking about because there is another fandom out there that isn't quite so respectful. (laughs) And the thing with the questions is, too, like last night, perfect example, you know, Gina was like, there's, Louie, you're the on the gym, line, honey. there's the gym in the mime or whatever she would say. Like we, I'd throw a question at her, and she'd be like, shut up, that's so good. And I'd be like, oh, my God, look at this question. And she'd be like, Amber, check out this question. And, I mean, the, half the time, yeah. I don't know if we, we'd be able to come up with as good as questions as everybody else does. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, I, we, we were sending each other questions back and forth going, add this one, add this one. Oh, my gosh, this was so good. How can we decide? <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, I'm, 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 ugh, I'm, I'm, ugh, if I can say it, I'm, I'm emming Gina, and I'm like, dude, I, I have like five pages, and I was like, and you also have ten callers. I know. I know. So, but we ended up narrowing it down to four, but it, within that four includes like our little squip part that we read. So it was probably really about three and a half pages of questions. Three and a half still, pages. Yeah. Yeah, it ended up being, and during the course of the the interview, she would answer a question that maybe was later on. So, you know, we we delete that one. Once she answers it, like if she happens to answer question number two while she's answering question number one, then we'll delete two and move on to three. But throughout the entire interview, she we had 42 questions on our paper plus the callers. And pretty much she answered every one of them. Maybe she yep. didn't ask her 42 questions, but in the course of the answers that she was giving, she answered it all. So that was, oh, my gosh, it's so amazing. And here's the thing. <laughs> the the fans hyped her up for this. Like, we really are just a bunch of girls that are fans of the show that have this radio show online, and everybody tweeted and posted links on their Facebook, and, you know, VampireDiaries.net posted a bunch of stuff for us, websites. I mean, and she, I, I really think that she was probably coming in 
intimidated by us as we were by her because the fans hyped it up so much. And she really, like, to sit with us for two hours, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. She really, she really lived up there. to it. Yeah. She tweeted early this yeah, there morning, are so and many. she sounded excited herself. So, Yeah. It was like at 4.30 in the morning because we were still up, and we said, Julie just tweeted about us. <laughs> yes, and it was. It was like 4.30 in the morning, yeah. 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 yeah, so many websites yeah, that out there that awesome. we can't even probably name them all. We can't probably name all of the websites that are out there that that retweet for us, that promote us. I just have to say a big, huge blanket thank you to every one of yes. you guys that's out there that retweets for us about our shows, that uh, posts things about us on your blogs, on your site. You guys are awesome. 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 Man, it was awesome. I want to start chanting VRO. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that was hand down probably the best interview I've ever listened to. And probably like I was sitting here at six o'clock freaking out. I'm like, Oh my gosh, Julie Sparks on, Julie Sparks on and my sister's like, What is wrong with you? <laughs> okay, am I back? Yeah. Were you gone? Yes, I was actually I was talking to Aaron. Aaron's on the phone line with us too and Chloe's there and Melinda's there. Melinda, you're unmuted, by the way. And Sherry's there, and Christy's there, and Jess from VampireStalkers.com is there, and Sherry's from PaulWesleyFans.com, and Melinda's from PaulWesleyFans.com, and we got 36 minutes left of this show, and we are just feeling the love. (laughs) I know I'm feeling the love, and I'm trying to fit everything I want to say to Julie Fleck in 140 characters. Do you know how hard that is? (laughs) Good luck on that. I know. I'm making myself a t-shirt. I don't know if anybody wants to buy it. We're going to do it as a fundraiser. And I'm going to have the Twitter bird. And underneath it, I'm going to say, changing the world 140 characters at a time. Oh, that's awesome. If anybody else wants one, you let me know, and I'm going to sell those as a fundraiser for the VRO because we need the money. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds awesome. We'll have to have one of those. Yeah, because... Okay, well, awesome. You guys do an amazing you. job. You should definitely earn a salary, that's for sure. <laughs> well, we, you know what? We do it, and I don't care if I get paid or not. The only thing that I care about is bringing the best of everything that we can do for you guys. And unfortunately, sometimes that costs money. Like this year, we made a very difficult decision this year, Amy and I and the other ladies, we made a very difficult decision that we are not going to be able to go to Comic-Con because of the, it's so prohibitive with the cost, being that we're on the East Coast and would have to fly all the way to the West Coast and how much it costs. It's just, you know, because we do this out of our own pockets if we ever want to travel, we do it out of our own pockets, and so we just we made that very difficult decision that we you know we we. I, I wish I would have known you guys then. I had tickets that I had to sell because I got engaged at the beginning of the year, and paying oh. for a wedding came above going to Comic Con. <laughs> right. Well, it, honestly, it wasn't the tickets because we had we were able to we were going to be able to get press passes which are free for all four days. 
it's the airline tickets and the food and the hotel costs that's the most prohibitive part of that. Because we right. can get, being, yeah, being, you know, being VRO, you know, a radio station and all that, we can get, um, um, sorry, I'm reading about 15 things at once. We can get <laughs> press passes for free to a lot of events, but unfortunately, we, you know, the money for airline tickets and the money for car and the money for hotel and the money for, you know, food when we're out there, that comes out of our own pocket. And, My sister has um, a condo in San Diego, and she is away all summer long on a – she's in the Navy, so she's on deployment all summer. And so I was like, oh, perfect, I'll take a bunch of my friends, we'll go out to Comic-Con, and then I have to pay for a wedding now. <laughs> so even airline tickets are a little bit ridiculous. So Well, next year. Yeah. Next, next year, year we'll yeah. <laughs> next year, the VRO, Vampire Stalkers, Paul Wesley fans, and Aaron, we're all going to rock Comic-Con. And we can all invade my sister's condo and not have to pay a dime for lodging. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's Even well, better. Well, you are the best. Even you are better. the best right that there. That would be that an alcoholic feast. She even has a pool. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, she's in the Navy. She's gone all summer long. She won't even know. <laughs> even better. Yeah. Even better. But I like sleeping That's outside awesome. on the sidewalk one night, not like the entire week. But well, she has a like, patio. No, I'm talking about like at Comic Con. Oh. <laughs> at Comic Con. Because last year we were up 3 o'clock in the morning, a bunch of us girls, and we were bored. And so this very, very cute guy looks like Superman. He actually looked like Clark Kent walked by. And I was like, oh, damn, he's a 10. So we we wrote out numbers. We had these little pieces of paper. No, we had Burger King crowns. So we took our Burger King crowns and broke them up and wrote one through ten. So every time a guy walked by, we would hold up a number. And I would look at the numbers. And I was like, ten all around, baby. <laughs> yeah, we all just for everybody after a while, though, didn't we, Amy? We felt bad for the yeah. nerds. So we start throwing tens up for everybody. <laughs> that is well, it's hard. It's in so San Diego, there are a lot of beautiful, beautiful boys. Oh, yeah. Very, uh, marine bases right there and naval bases. I'll be honest with you that I, if you've listened to the shows before, you guys know me and you know who my big, huge crush is on. And you know that it's not because of the latest character he played. It's because of some of his earlier work where he was a little kind of awkward nerdy dude. I am always been attracted to those cute but awkward nerdy dudes. And that is, Comic-Con is like, the Comic-Con is like full. It's, it's just teeming with those cute but awkward nerdy dudes. It's like Gina, husband. I'm about to marry one of those, so you... <laughs> I did marry one, baby. I did marry one, and it rocks my socks. <laughs> I know, right? The cute, nerdy ones are the best. Oh, They're always the best. And he fixes all the stuff I break. <laughs> I know. My husband's a computer programmer. What, what more could I need, right? <laughs> yeah, I've got an electrical engineer in my house. Every time I can't get the DVD player to work, I'm like, baby, fix it. <laughs> 
Oh. So, it's adorable. Um, we have yeah. Jason on the but phone line. Let's see what Jason oh, hey, wants Jason. to say real quick. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hey. Jason, Remember, hey. Jason, you have to talk up. Yeah, you're going to have to hey, scream. Uh, yes. Hello? You're so hey. quiet, Jason. <laughs> Via the phone or something. I don't know. Hello? We can hear you. No, I think it's yeah, your voice. Yeah, you're there now. I can hear oh. you. Yeah. You're so quiet. Oh, sorry. Or maybe we're just all so loud. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, actually, I'm about to, I'm about to get off, guys, because I have to work at nine in the morning. But I want to say to you real quick, my friend just IM me and said I only have two episodes of Moonlight left. She's been watching it all day, so it's spreading. <laughs> <laughs> it's spreading. She earned another, earned another one. Ha <laughs> yeah. ha. So um, I'm going to say good night. Uh, I need to work on this Melissa a little bit, and then okay. uh, I have to get in the bed because I have to work at 9 in the morning. Okay. So I actually have to go to sleep right. tonight. So hey, I love you guys. Me. Hey, honey, if you need anything from me about the Melissa thing, if you want me to look over your script or anything, just send it to me, and I'll do that. Okay, thank you. All right. Thank you. You are all welcome. Thanks, everybody, again. I will talk to you later. <laughs> Good night, Amber. Good night. Bye. Bye. Um, hello? You're, You're still here, babe. Oh, um, I just wanted to say thank you. We just for... overrun you because we're so loud. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say um, thank you again for bringing us the show this month. It's been, like, to me, it's been really amazing. Like, I've never experienced anything like this before ever. This is, like, like it's been so amazing. This is definitely, I can call this, like, the best month ever I've ever had. Like, just to hear a cat so close to their fans and for you guys to bring this to us is just crazy. It's amazing. I really thank you guys for that so much, for allowing me to experience this. It's really awesome. Thank you. Well, and Gina, I know I've told you before, I'm a part of a couple of other, you know, fan groups and stuff, and none of them do anything close. To what you guys do for Vampire Diaries and the fellow fans that I found on Twitter and through the VRO and stuff are so nice and so welcoming and amazing as opposed to, like I said, other fandoms that are, are not as much. So it's it, right. for me as well, it's been an amazing experience. Well, thank you both. Thanks, thanks, Jason. And we, we do it for you guys. You know, we enjoy it. I, I won't, I won't lie and tell you it's a trial for me, and I'm suffering through it. We enjoy it immensely. But you know what? We enjoy the most. I think what we enjoy the most about it, and I think Amy will agree, is how much you guys enjoy it. I think yeah. that's what we enjoy the most. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's it. So it's awesome. if you guys aren't happy, we're not happy. Well, I'll be exactly. uh, tweeting out the uh, please donate. Uh, <laughs> well, we really appreciate that because like we were saying before and, and kind of got sidetracked off the Comic-Con thing, but, I mean, I started talking about Comic-Con and then we kind of went from there, is, you know, it does take money because, you know, people don't realize that it actually takes money for us to run the show here on Blog Talk Radio because we are such – we're such a big show. Not, I'm not trying to be a braggart or anything, but we are such a big show and get so many callers that we actually have to have an upgraded um, 
switchboard system, and that costs a monthly fee. So we have to pay that. We pay for our website. We pay for, you know, the the calling that we have to do through the Skype to call in. We pay for that, you know. So it all adds up after a while, and you know, bringing these things. And I've never said, and these ladies, Amy will back me up, I've never said, I'm just not paying for this stuff anymore. I can't, you know, I've never said that. I've always been like, what can we do to make sure we can keep on doing this? Um, um, you know. I so. sold my bedroom suit last week to pay for my internet bill so I could book these shows. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if anybody out there has watched Moonlight, I'll tell you this, if anybody out there has watched yeah. Moonlight, and you know how absolutely you know how absolutely beautiful Alex O'Loughlin is. I had the original four foot by five foot moonlight subway poster that was placed in the New York subway system. I got one that was never used. It was an original plastic. It was beautiful, huge, four foot by five foot, absolutely gorgeous Mick St. John moonlight. I sold that thing in order to make sure that we could pay our BTR bill. No, no, no. Oh, my God, did we get it back for you? No, it's okay. Who did you sell it to? I'll find it. No, I sold it to a beautiful, beautiful woman who is a huge Moonlight fan and a friend of mine. She gave it a very good home. And I'm happy that he has a good home now. Oh man! Oh, it's such a beautiful. It, was it the the advertisement with just like with his face, yes. the moon in the back? Yes. <sighs> oh my yes. god! Yeah, okay. poor yes. thing. Oh my god! <sighs> I'm I'm shedding tears for you right now. I am. This I, I so, know. It's so it's all good. It's all good. You know uh, why no. it's all good? Because we're we're still we're, here. Yes, yeah, thank we're you. still here. We're still. We're still doing everything, so yeah, it's you know. And hey, I got room in my bedroom now where I can put right. like eighteen girls. We can all just pile up on the floor. So if y'all come to North Carolina next weekend, right here we are. She's all well, things for bed. <laughs> I think I will actually be there in October. Well, uh, hey, I'm take well, I'm taking a girlfriend of mine who lives in uh, Greer, South Carolina. Uh, to the uh, Muse concert in Raleigh. Cool. You'll pass right for, right yeah. by, really. Yeah, right by me. I'm actually right outside of um, Hickory. So when you're by, you call me up or shoot me a VRO email and do that. Yeah, I think we're planning on doing some stalking while I'm down. I'm, I'm all the way up in Salem, Mass. So um, while I am down there, I think we are trying to plan a trip to Covington as well. Awesome. Um, P. Auburn in the chat room, she just had a comment. This is so funny. She said, I'm betting there's a character next season that Damon bites named Amy McCracken. <laughs> 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 that would be amazing, but I doubt that will happen. <laughs> I doubt we will hear the phrase, release the McCracken. Oh, that would rock. That would be awesome. I doubt it, but that would be pretty cool. I'd probably go hide, probably you know, end up at the courthouse the next day and change my last name. (laughs) (laughs) 
that would be so funny. <laughs> and then you'd be really famous. <laughs> Even more so than you already are. No, do not make me a vampire and put me on the show. I would rather be, like, an extra I was with, like, 500 more extras. And I would rather be, like, behind the camera instead of in front of a camera. But that's a good offer, but no, 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 no. Uh, I just like talking about it. (laughs) On Twitter, on my blog, on email, whatever. Here, I just like talking about it. I can't imagine being in front of or behind the camera in any way, shape, or form. Yikes. Too scary. Okay, what, wait, what was the Twitter quote? Yeah, I'm trying to, Amy, I opened up my tweet deck for the first time in about nine months. Oh, did you upgrade? (laughs) I did, and I have five, I have five group lists going right now, and I still need more. No, oh, they're going to make you upgrade. They just made me upgrade today. I upgraded, and the upgrade okay. is amazing. Okay. Why? I, I actually love the upgrade. I was trying to not do it, but every time I, I tried to not do it, TD kept failing on me and telling me, like, I was in jail or that I'd exceeded my limit. So finally I upgraded, and it's actually so cool. How do I get it to update? Because it didn't ask me to update when I logged on today. Close down and do it again. Well, when did it update? Because, I mean, I opened it twice It was just today. today. Yeah, it was just Really? Today. It just updated today? Oh, okay. You well, can right. to Let me totally shut it and upgrade it that way, too. <laughs> Both right, on my PC and my today. laptop, it did it to me today. Okay, well, let me find out if it's going to do it, and if not, I'll go to TweetDeck.com. Let's see. I'm, I, I closed it all down, and now I'm going to open it again. I opened mine today, too, and it didn't ask me for an update. Yeah, I did mine really early today. I wonder if, if um, they did the update later. I didn't know Eric Balfour was on Twitter. Oh my God! Now they're Twitter. They're quoting me. Oh yeah. See that they're quoting you. Yes, they're saying at Amy Vro. I doubt things will shout out. Release the McCracken. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quote me. Quote our. No, our, we didn't do guest. it. All right, I'm gonna close host. it down. Hi, Jason. All right, I'm gonna close it. It didn't. It didn't give me an upgrade. An update. But so I'm gonna close it down and. I'm going to go to blogtalkradio.com. Does anybody ever say, when they're saying the name of a site, does anybody ever say Twitter or TweetDeck.com? Does anybody ever do that? (laughs) that, I think it's Hotwire. Is it Hotwire that does that on their commercial? Yes. Hotwire.com. I don't know, but after I I came back from Georgia... I kept hearing Yahoo all the time because of Amy's phone. It is Yahoo. <laughs> Amy's phone Yahoo better a lot. When, okay, when I have when I have a VRO email, it plays this right here. Let me run to the switchboard real quick. Where are my new mic clips? Okay, when oh, I have. 
when I have a VRO email, not my personal VRO email, but a regular VRO email, I hear this. Hey, this is David Blue, and you're listening to the VRO. Don't touch that dial, or I will throw my Stargate at you. When I got a Allwork and Trevino email, I heard them saying, um, hey, this is, um, I hear Zach saying, hey, this is Zach and Tyler. And Yahoo, it Yahoo's at me. Facebook, it says, hey, you have a Facebook message. <laughs> that was for your Blackberry, though, right? Yeah, that's for the Blackberry, which the Blackberry is cut off right now because I don't have money to pay the bill, but that's okay. Oh, I'm just about to get mine. My my first black well my first BlackBerry I had one my old job gave me one but they didn't give you give me any of the you know like it didn't have a camera and I couldn't use my personal email on it or I couldn't use Facebook or Twitter on it but I'm just about to get I'm due for an upgrade so I'm just about to get my first personal BlackBerry and I'm so excited. Yeah, um, our VRO phones are due for an upgrade, so Gina and I was looking at some last night, and we found some really yeah. cool ones. Yeah, we were My, my sister has the uh, BlackBerry, what is it, the A520 or whatever. She loves it. I think I, that, that, I, that could not be the right number. We got to get the I'm, bell money ready for Michael Trevino. He's getting ready to rush the court at the Lakers game. Oh, so, so going to end up in jail, and we're going to have to go bail him out. His interview was so good. You guys did such a great job with that. He is hysterical. Oh, my gosh. He's so funny. And But the best, I have to say, Alt Summers and Marco Siega, like, amazing. Those two were just so good, especially Paul Summers. I was Kissing my pants, laughing so hard. Yeah. I listened to you it guys later because I wasn't able to see it that night. With Ian and Nina at the Lakers game. So their oh, entire cast is at the Lakers game. Well, it's oh, funny because Rihanna tweeted or posted a picture of Ian with Nina, and they said this is Nina with an unidentified friend. They didn't identify Ian. Too <laughs> <laughs> <Very> funny. <laughs> Identified friend. <laughs> Ian is the unidentified friend. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Nina is identified. I would think it would be the other way around. Just because so, so many of my friends are lost, huge lost fans. So. Yeah, I don't get that. Why would they not know who Ian was? Every time I post a picture of Ian from Vampire Diaries, my... My friends are like boon, and I'm like, and I haven't started watching Lost yet, so I'm like, great, thank you. Don't, yeah. don't even bother watching; it'll be a six-year waste of your time. Real? Oh my God, really? 
I got, okay, oh. see, I wasn't, I didn't give into the whole Lost stuff, so I, um, oh. I got some DVDs, I watched season one, I watched season two, I started season three, and, you know, I, I was hooked, I was hooked after season two, and I started season three, I got into maybe, like, the fourth, yeah, probably the fourth, um, episode, and this was just, like, two, three days ago, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to watch the season finale. I watched the season finale, and I, thank goodness I watched the season finale, because if I would have watched, now, don't get me wrong, all you great Lost fans out there, I'm pretty sure that you got everything you wanted, but for me, it was not what I wanted. Oh, <laughs> um, I just, I, could, I couldn't deal with it. I am about to go off on Twitter. Uh-oh. Please, please do it on Twitter and not on air. Yeah, I will. What happened? Um, let's just say someone posted something not so nice about Paul. Hey, okay. Oh, not really nice. Come on, people. What's, what's so nice to say about Paul? He seems like the sweetest guy in the whole entire world. Not to mention uh, he has the hardest body I've ever seen in my life. Let's just say there was an article that somebody did allegedly speaking to somebody allegedly close to Paul who kind of described Paul in a personal way, and now they posted that on their fan site for Paul. Really? No. No way. Really? That's if you're not. a fan of Paul, you're really going to post something disrespectful like that to Paul? Really? What? In a personal way? Like they know him in a personal way? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, it's like David Boreas all over again. Now, all of a sudden, why does this happen to me? I'm I'm confused. They posted it on on a website or on just their Twitter? I'm confused. No, on a website they run for Paul. Oh, okay. All right, now I'm, okay, I'm a little clearer, I guess. I don't really follow a lot of the websites out there. Unfortunately, I just can't follow every one of them out there because I'd just be overwhelmed with information. I try to do my best. I had seen that article months. I mean, we're talking months ago. And I would never put it up on my site. Uh, I'm a really big part of the uh, Bones community. And we've obviously had a uh, huge trouble lately with uh, David coming out as uh, an adulterer. Um, but a lot of the sites that, you know, are supposed to just be about bones have started to post things about his affairs and things like that. And it. It's really not what we're looking for. We're looking for bone spoilers. We're looking for things about the show. You know, we we love the character Booth. You know, we're not looking um, to be a part of his personal life. That at least a lot of us feel that way. His personal life is his personal life. And some of it would be unfounded. Some of it's not proven to be fact or you know, anything, so why would you post it? Right. Um, you know, he he came out and, and made some admissions with People Magazine, but outside of that, 
everything else is unchecked. And for any kind of site that claims to be a fan of someone to make these sort of claims or even to retweet an article that doesn't have, you know, grounding in it is really just, it's unfair. And you can be a fan of a show and let these people have their personal lives. I don't understand why that seems to be so impossible for people to do. Yeah, honestly, that's that's the one thing that when I ran a, I ran a fan forum. It wasn't really like a fan site that posted news. Not exactly. It was a. It was strictly a forum. I mean, we did post news on there because people would post news as a post. But one thing that we on the site, one of the rules was, is you don't talk about and post personal information about these people. These are people. They're not just dolls that we play with. You know. They're people, and you don't post that stuff. And, yeah, some of these sites that post really personal information when it's supposed to be about the TV show, mm-mm, mm-mm. And you want to know something? I'll be honest with you. I knew about David Boreanaz a long time ago, and I've never said a word to anybody because, you know what, it's nobody's business. We we all did. Yeah, when, exactly. when the claims came back, I'm... When the claims came out well over a year ago, we all knew, I mean, look at him, for God's sakes. You know, and, but that's not what we, that's not what we were about. You know, we were, it was supposed to be about the Bones fandom and about loving the show and being supporters of the show and of the actor and his character, and not about anything that's going on in his personal life. And ever since this has come to light, um, a lot of people have been, who have previously run sites that were strictly, you know, about the Bones fandom have gone to the wayside and really started posting things, you know, like from TMZ even, and it's just really unattractive to me. And, and I'm not I'm not about that kind of, that kind of following. I, I love these characters. I, I love the, the acting that these people do to create these characters. But as far as their personal lives go, that should be completely separate. I don't want to know anything about it. I don't care. And I don't think that anybody else should either. The the tabloids, the I I hate them. It's it's garbage to me. I I just I feel like the work should be appreciated for exactly what the work is and and that is all. Exactly. Well, that's what I'll tell you right now that here at the VRO and especially with me because these some of these people will laugh at me, but it's so true that I go off on, I call them the VRO rants. Well, they're my rants because I really hate the paparazzi. I call them the crapparazzi. I hate the paparazzi because they invade 
people's privacy so badly. These people deserve their own privacy. You know, they deserve to have a private life. And I can't stand when they just invade people's privacy so horribly. I refuse to talk about articles and pictures that that people have posted from paparazzi. We refuse to talk about it on our show, um, you know, because I'll be honest with you, especially with our Twilight Diaries show, anything Rob Pattinson was paparazzi fodder for so long, and I absolutely refuse to talk about any of it. We refuse to post about any of it, none of it, because I just, I won't support that crap. I just won't. No, I, I mean, I run a blog myself, and uh, I, it's, it's news. It's simply what the facts are, and that is all. Um, And occasionally my own opinion on the facts, which is my own right to do on (laughs) my own blog, but never, ever, ever about personal lives or, you know, spying on people. I think it's it's garbage. Can you imagine not even being able to go out shopping? It's just, it's atrocious to me. I, I think it's really, really terrible. Uh, these people work. They work for a living. They work very hard, um, and I think they should be allowed to have their their privacy. Um, I think it's great that uh, so far the Vampire Diaries cast um, has been extremely nice to their fans and allowing people to go on set and to and they sign autographs and everything like that, but. It gets to a point where it will get out of control. You you can see this happening, and not only are they ruining it for everyone else, but they are ruining these people's lives. And mm-hmm. I detest it to a level I cannot even explain. It's just let them just be, let them be, let them just be people. Let them do jobs just like. We go and do jobs every single day. Let them go and do their jobs. And if they will allow us to observe them and whatever, that's great. Um, but exactly. don't be crazy. God, and don't, oh, don't ruin it for everyone else. Well, and what else exactly. you have to think about is that what if the, what if the person who, who who you do the fan site on comes to your fan site, knows about your fan site, and sees something like that. What are they going to think? Exactly. What are they going to think? I mean, you know, think about it like this. Like, you, you know, you got a fan site, and think about it this way. What if this person's mother came to the site? What would they think of you? Maybe that would change some of these people's minds about what they post. You know, what if this person? Okay, well, I don't really know that I want either either Paul or David's mother to read some of my tweets about them, but that is totally besides the point. See, gotta be careful. But 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 I don't I don't put them on my blog. I mean, it's my personal tweets, and oh yeah, we know I have a personal account too. And I'm certainly not the only one who drools. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Well, and, you know, you got your tweets, and that's fine. That's, the, you know, that's that's something different. But this might sound funny, but this is what I used to, um, I actually was a, uh, I worked with 
young adults, ninth through 12th grade, um, I worked with them for years and years. And one of the things we talked about was because of the, you know, the fact that, you know, sex before, you know, sex and disease and pregnancy for teenagers is just crazy rampant. That we, I, we would, you know, I would say, you know what, don't do anything that you wouldn't mind doing if your mother was sitting in the room with you. And that was my, you know, that was my phrase to get them to realize, you know, you got to, you know, be careful with what you're doing with people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> No, that's a really good point. Involved with sex, if your mom's in the room. Well, that's what I'm saying. Says don't do anything that you wouldn't want to do if your mom was sitting there. When we were trying to, we were trying to uh, encourage them to abstain because you know there was such a problem in the community with pregnancy and you know things like that, and and actually sexually transmitted diseases and things in the community that we were, you know, our whole, you know, we, we had a whole campaign, you know, campaign to abstain, and it was don't do anything that you wouldn't want to do with your mom in the room with you, you know? <laughs> My sister's in the Army. It's like an epidemic, pregnancy mm-hmm. in the Army. It's really. Mm-hmm. I, uh, my niece is about to be two. It's It's like a disease. Um, so I definitely understand, but I mean, I think you should be allowed to express love <laughs> in a way, but definitely I've, I've seen a lot of disrespectful, uh, things go on as well, which I don't appreciate, which, you know, regarding, um, people's, uh, significant others and, and stuff like that, which I don't, you know, it's it's just not nice. And, you know, it's one thing to be like, wow, Paul's abs are totally drool-worthy, which I think is completely, it's an honest statement <laughs> and completely okay to say. <laughs> but or to say rude things, yeah. Well, let me but to say like kids. We're about to go off air. Let me interrupt because we are about to actually go off air. We will be able to, you know, if you got, if you want to finish your statement, and anybody who's listening in the archives will hear it because it still keeps recording us for a few minutes. But for everyone who came to the interview, thank you so much. We are just about to run out of airtime, and we will see you guys tomorrow for Melissa's interview. Okay, go girl. You can finish, and then we'll cut the show. Oh, I was just about to say that everyone should just be respectful. That's all. Uh, be respectful of who you love and maybe they they love someone else and that should be okay. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, we're going to head out and it was awesome talking to you guys and we will see you guys later. Thanks. Okay. Great job, girls. Thank you. Sure thing. Bye, Good night. Good night, everyone. Night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.